Hey everybody, um, this week's episode uh, kind of took a turn. Um, I was glad enough to be joined by my buddy Alain Desay, who fills in. Stephen took uh, the week off, uh, doing a great job hosting the morning show with Lorenzo Neal. But unfortunately, we got the sad news during the podcast that John Madden passed away. And um, I'm still kind of uh, reacting to it. Um, It's just, it's incredibly weird, the timing of it, considering uh, I watched, as many people did, his documentary on Christmas Day. And I remember just uh, watching it. Thinking to myself, like, God, he had such an influence on my life. And, um, man, he got to ride around in a bus, hanging out with his friends and family, going from city to city, watching football. That is a dream. That is a dream that I hope I have one day. Um... We got the news of it during the podcast, so you won't hear it till later in the show. But l- listen to the whole thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I really don't know what else to say. But um, rest in peace, John Madden. Um, and we love you. And enjoy the show. Steven. Steven. Steven? Where the hell's Steven? Well, everybody, Steven is not here today. He's doing a big-time thing this week. Going live on 95.7 The Game all week with Lorenzo Neal, and we hope you're listening to Steven, and we will see you next week, Steven. But this week, I'm having an old friend tune in, Alon Desay. He worked with me over at 95.7 The Game, and he's doing great things over in Nevada, doing play-by-play, and here he is now. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us this week on Just Your Opinion, man, Alon Desay. What's going on, Alon? Whoo, man, just living that uh, Las Vegas lifestyle, you know, going out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just hanging out <laughs> over the holidays, but uh, I'm so happy to be here. Like, uh, I love you guys' podcast. So, Stephen, congratulations to you, by the way. That's awesome to be hosting the morning show with uh, Lo Neal, like, who they already have a great relationship. So that's just probably going to be so so much fun to listen to over the next five or six days. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be interesting. If Lo shows up, he's been known to uh, miss a alarm clock or two. But uh, <laughs> You can call they, in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'll, he'll call in. He'll do uh, pro- probably do uh, the old ISDN line uh, or Comrex these days. If you, if you know what they are in the biz, you know what they are. Um, so Alon, uh, we know each other back in the day. Uh, we worked, you worked in 95, seven, the game, you would fill in for me a lot of the times, uh, producing and let the audience know who you are and what you're up to these days. So first of all, just to introduce myself, uh, my name is Alon, as Derek said, but, uh, I was like Derek's, uh, understudy, I guess is the best way to put it. I was his intern. So, uh, that's actually how I got my start. Like in sports media was over at 95, seven, the game, what, three and a half years ago now. Yep. And, uh, I remember the you know, interview, you you sprinting in with your nice uh, <laughs> your nice button up, and you always would want to sprint in and be on time. And I was like, dude, you do not have to run for this job. Like, you you walk. You walk I, for this job. I remember you telling me that. I would sprint into the old building, and uh, looking back on it, I'm like, what was I doing? Just covered I was like in that, sweat. Just, just yeah, covered in sweat. sweat, and I was in much better shape. But still, like, <laughs> oh, man, I, w- I was just so out of gas. And 
I remember thinking uh, back on that a few days ago, and I was like, that's like that Will Smith movie where he's uh, running. Pursuit of Happiness? Pursuit of Happiness. I've never seen it. I always thought he was trying to sell like a fax machine or something. Yes. Uh, a bone machine. Bone density, I want to say. Oh, not, not a fax machine. <laughs> not not a fax machine. It was something a little more important. But uh, yeah, he uh, he would lose his shoe, too, like going to the interview. So you didn't you, you came in with both shoes on, at least. I, I never lost his yeah, a bunch of sweat and with my tie and everything, and then getting in, I'm like, "Whoa, everybody's wearing jeans and sweatpants and yeah. stuff." And I was like, "You, so you took me John, two months." You John Curley were the only ones dressed up. <laughs> but uh, a little bit about me: so, um, actually, a grad student in my last semester at UNLV, and I do play-by-play like on the local college radio. But I also work for NFHS Network, which is high school sports. So, um, just wrapped up doing like uh, Texas and Colorado high school uh, football playoffs, so which was really fun, nice. and then. Also uh, worked over the past summer in California for a uh, collegiate league, a collegiate summer league baseball team, and uh, in the running for a minor league job coming up. So hey. hopefully things start going my way. Oh, yeah. Look at you, Jim Brockmeyer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, well, I don't want to have a Brockmeyer breakdown moment or a, no. uh, you know, the real life version of that, the Tom Brenneman <laughs> apology. <laughs> When he fired, when he Deep fired himself out. on it, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, li- I'd like to, yeah, Castellanos, who has a history <laughs> of hitting home runs at inopportune moments. Oh god, that may be one of my favorite moments. Not the fact that he w- he did what he did, but just like the I never may no. work in this industry again. Deep fly ball out to center field. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be putting this headset on again, <laughs> whether it's for the Reds or for my bosses at Fox. Like yeah. I love that, and and then apologizing. <laughs> To the people who sign your paycheck, that's yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, and him saying, "I hope my uh, my friends come forward and help me here." <laughs> and now he's got a podcast with Grant Napier, I think. So those guys deserve really? each other. He, uh, yeah, wow. You know, he's also covering high school sports in Cincinnati. Tom Brenneman. Yeah, which is what hey. he's. That's how his career started. So it kind of hey, comes yay, full, full circle. circle, full circle for yeah. Tom. It's it's like that movie um, Nightmare Alley that just came out. It kind of starts one way and then ends the same exact way. Oh, but haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Guillermo del Toro. It. It's, it's good. Okay. Well, Alon, thank you for hopping on with us today. We have a jam-packed show. Uh, you live in Las Vegas, and you went to the Raider game on Sunday, and you're a diehard Raider fan, so we will discuss all about that, along with the 49ers, everything going on in the NFL, and you are a former Crimson Tide alum. Or still yes, are, I actually. Am. Yeah, I am well, a Crimson Tide alum. I got, I got my, uh, got my hat right there. There you go to prove it. And yeah. we'll get all about the college football playoffs. We'll all talk about that. But real quick, Alon, how was your holidays? Did you are, are you in Vegas right now? Or are you in the Bay Area? I'm in Henderson right now. So okay, um, okay. Uh, yeah, I live in Henderson, but like right on the border with Las Vegas. But uh, I was in the Bay Area for like the two weeks leading up. I was helping my parents with a few things. They're getting ready to move, just like everybody else out of California. But um, yeah, so uh, I'm in Vegas right now, and for the holidays, just kind of kept it chill. Went to the Raider game. My family came out and visited, and uh, we watched some good movies. Uh, we went to the movie theater twice, so we're kind of like a movie-going Christmas family, you know? Like no, I'm Christmas the same Day. way. Yeah, so we saw we saw the new Matrix, which, I mean, I'm a big <laughs> Matrix fan, so I'm like the one guy who loved every second of it. Um, okay, here, here, here's my beef with the new Matrix. I like the concept of it, and I think the original Matrix is brilliant. Original, original idea and awesome movie. I just didn't like the whole self-aware reboot, making fun of the reboot, just regurgitating the same story over and again. The concept of it was very clever. I understand what they were trying to do. By the way, what, what, what's your daughter's name in the back there? Uh, her name's Aria. Aria. What a beautiful name. 
Yep. Uh, beautiful dog. But yeah, Matrix. Uh, wasn't a fan. Was not a fan of the new one. So but, it's but interesting. It's I know a lot of people that love it, and I know a lot of people that hate it. Yeah, you're either on one side. Like, my brother who loves The Matrix, he was like, that's the worst movie I've ever seen. And I was like, <laughs> okay, it's not that bad. And then, and then no. you know, me, I was like, I, I loved it. But, you know, I, I totally get both sides. Not to get too far, no spoilers, of course. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of veiled shots in that movie at the movie industry. There's a lot yes. of, like, making fun of reboots, making fun of sequels, like, making fun of stuff, which, you know. Which I, I mean, like, but yeah. at the same time, like, they're still doing that. Yeah, it, yeah, they are. So they're doing it. It almost it feels like Warner Brothers was like, "Can we please get one more Matrix movie just just for something?" And they did it. Well, there's that one line in the movie where, and it's not a spoiler because I think it's in the trailers or whatnot. But Keanu Reeves. So that the whole point in the movie is like Keanu Reeves as Neo is back in the Matrix, but he remembers everything in the Matrix subconsciously, so he creates the matrix as a video game and the video game has, I guess like in their world kind of taken the place of the movies and it's so popular. And the guy that like is his like, like business partner is supposed to be agent Smith. And he's the guy that is like, there's a line in the movie that kind of rolled my eyes out where he's like, you know, our parent company, Warner brothers (laughs) wants us to do a fourth matrix. And I was like, that's just the fucking producers like want to getting their two cents in the script. Yep, yeah, just just breaking the fourth wall. But yeah, uh, yeah so did did some movie stuff. What'd you do over the holidays? I had to work, man. I had to uh I was off Christmas Day, but I had to work Christmas Eve and the day after because of football. So my pops was like, Do you want to come up for the day? And I was like, Nah, not really. Ooh, so man, that's, a, that's a haul. I know, I know. Like to drive up and drive back down or fly up and fly back down, and I'm not doing that shit with what's going on right now. So I <laughs> I just stayed put. I'll see my uh, my folks in the uh, the off season, and uh, we'll have our own Christmas in March. Yeah, it makes yeah. it easier too because then your dad's you know got a little bit more time off with yeah, no, exactly. uh, you know no football and stuff like. Well, shoot, I mean the Niners are going to make the playoffs, so he's probably we'll got see. another couple months to go. We'll see here. <laughs> but let's get into it, Elon. Uh, so you're a diehard Raider fan. You went to the Raider game on Sunday. And me and Steven talked about it last week. They squeak by and get that victory over the Cleveland Browns, 16 to 14. Mm-hmm. And they come back and they win 17 to 13. So, Alon, I ask you, what do you think? Oh, well, well, just to recap the game, what do you think of the Raiders' 17 to 13 win over the Denver Broncos? So, okay, I was there. And first thing I want to say is this was the first game that I think that they've had. The Monday night game against Baltimore was just, you know, the electricity in the building was huge. Um, Steve Aoki and Bruce Buffer and all that stuff. (laughs) But uh, this was the first game that I was like, man, this actually feels like a Raider game. Um, And, you know, I have a PSL, so, like, you know, I've spent my money on on this. And for the first time, I was like, finally, like, it feels like there's a home field advantage and stuff like that. But on the field – their defense is starting to step up to the challenge, I think. And the defensive line has been good, you know, all season with pressuring the quarterback, not always getting sacks. The sack numbers aren't there, but they've been putting pressure. But I, I think they really stepped up and held the they held the Broncos to 18 rushing yards, which, you know, everyone goes, oh, the, you know, the Broncos. But over the past six weeks, they were one of the top five rushing teams in the NFL. So, yeah. I mean, that's something to hang your hat on. Um the Derek Carr interception where Bradley Chubb, you know, intercepts a screen pass, there's blame to go all around. First of all, 
I'd like to get your opinion on this, but like with 30 seconds left on the half, either be aggressive, right? Or kneel it down and go into halftime up seven. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't call some in between play. And you know, they gave away seven points because of that. It was a great play by Chubb. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't a good pass by Carr, and, but maybe it was even a worse play call by Greg Olson. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like 30, it's like 30% Chubb, 33% yeah. Chubb, 33% Carr, 33% the play call. It was almost of reminiscent of uh, Joe Thiesman throwing the uh, the pass right before halftime against the Raiders in the Super Bowl thirty Rod years Martin. ago, forty years ago. Exactly. Yeah, um, he was no, in the uh, building, uh, by the way, because really, it was Alumni Day. Wasn't it uh, Jack Squirek? Oh no, it was Squirek. You're right. Yes. You're, you're right. It was Jack Squirek. It was but, actually uh, supposed to be Matt Millen, but Matt Millen <laughs> fucked up by like saying like I'm going to be the other guy on the play. Mm-hmm. And the defensive coordinator at the time was like, okay, you're, you're not going to make the play here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jack Skyrick makes the pick before halftime. And Bradley Chubb makes the pick before halftime. You know, screen, screen passes could develop into big plays. I didn't really oh, like yeah. I didn't really think the play call was bad. I just thought it was in a great play by Bradley Chubb. And it's also just the offensive line not holding up and Bradley Chubb getting a hand on that ball and batting it to himself and getting it. There were some dumb turnovers, um, but in the end, the Raiders prevail and get the 17-13 to 13 win, and they're back now at 8-7. and seven. And with the Chargers loss to the Houston Texans, the uh, catastrophic loss, in my opinion. How, you can't Raiders, lose like that. I know, and we'll talk about it. But the Raiders now looking dead a couple weeks ago after they got <laughs> shit-stomped by the Chiefs 48-9. to nine. Sun is shining a little bit. I know that I was watching ESPN today, and they say it's 18% chance of them making the playoffs. I think that's gone up since Carson Wentz has gotten COVID. So we'll talk all about that too. But yeah, just to, just to put a bow on things uh, for the 17 to 13 win, uh, Alon, you know, the Raiders have had the Broncos number lately and especially against Drew Locke. I don't think Drew Locke has ever been the Raiders to my no. knowledge. No. Um, and the defense just played well. And the, the Broncos are not gangbusters on offense. They do have a great running game with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. I need Melvin Gordon to give me more fantasy points. And I I'll saw get that. To that in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for all in all, I thought it was a good victory by the Raiders. Uh, great sack by Quentin Jefferson on third down. It pretty much set it up. Foster Moreau gets the first down, and they win. They squeak by again with a seventeen to thirteen win. Was it amazing? No. What did it make you think? Like things have changed, and they're a playoff team. No. But they won the game that they were supposed to win. Yeah, they exactly. That's a good way of putting it. They won a game they were supposed to win, and there's been times on their schedule where they've flubbed games that, you know, we all look at the schedule and go, that's a win. You know, New York Giants, uh, Chicago Bears against Justin Fields when when he was really still trying to figure yeah. things out. And then you can even say against the Washington football team. Yep. Um, that being said, the defense pitched a shutout in the second half, which is always good to see. It's great to see a defense do that. I don't care who you're playing against. Um, and – one thing about Drew Locke not beating the Raiders and Vic Fangio getting swept by the Raiders, I mean, that's that's huge for him. And yeah. not to, you know, speculate on his job, but, I mean, <clears throat> he just threw his offense under the bus. And I thought Drew Locke made some good throws in that game. And, um, you know, they just don't – they don't have the quarterback position solidified, and they have a really good number one receiver in Jerry Judy, and they have a really good running game, and their defense is still built to do a lot of good things. But – they're, they're just pretty dysfunctional on the field, not off the field, but on the field, they just can't get clicking. Uh, that being said, this is the second week in a row where the Raiders win really ugly, and it's the second win all season where they're able to win with Derek Carr 
throwing below 300 yards in a game. So a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he needs to keep throwing for more yards. And yeah, obviously you'd like that, but you don't have to throw for that many yards when Josh Jacobs has 128 yards on the ground. So, I mean, that's, that's really the, the missing key all season has been their running game has been atrocious and they finally were able to put one together today uh, uh, on a Sunday, but um, real quick, uh, more, not the uh, on-field stuff, but it was a really good feeling in that stadium. It was alumni uh, weekend. So, you know, they had all the uh, older players up in the box and everything. And, you know, they all alumni. You, you've been there, Derek, uh, yeah. at the open Coliseum when any kind of big alumni is there. It's cool. Everybody's walking around the stadium. You're running into players and talking to people and it's, it's just fun. Yeah. Real, real quick. Uh, I went to the Denver Bronco game um, in 2013. It was the last game of the, the regular season. Mm-hmm. That was a year that Peyton Manning was setting all those records, and they just lit up the Raiders. I want to say they they were up like twenty seven to nothing in halftime, and they brought all the Raiders down on the field for alumni weekend. And it was awkward because the Raiders were getting their ass kicked, but it was just cool. Like I met Lester Hayes for the first time. Um, I got a picture with him, and uh, I remember um, who is Matt Hasselbeck's uh, father? Do you know his first name? No, I do not. I want to say it's not Tim, but whoever Tim's his brother, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, he was a linebacker for the Raiders. He was there. I saw him at the Oakland airport and I said hi to him. And his only response to me was uh, the team sucks. Don, so, Don Hasselbeck. Don Hasselbeck. Um, yeah, it's always weird. You know, I, I think the Raiders want to choose it you know, appropriately for a game that they hope to win and they won. But it's always good having the old Raiders come back to uh, the stadium to, you know, look on it, on the new team and everything. Yeah, and it's really cool for the fans, too. And um, it, it's cool for the Denver fans, too. I mean, there was, a, there was a nice smattering of Denver fans there, and they, they all seemed to have a great time until the very end of the game. But uh, it was fun. How many games have you been to this season? <sighs> Eagles... Baltimore five games five games okay I think. wow yeah. so so good so, so good a good deal of them yeah would you would you say so what would you say is the majority of Raider fans to the visiting opponents fans at the at Allegiant Stadium I'd it's kind of always in flux it's usually around like a 70 I think a safe number is 75 25 70 30 it's usually okay. in between there um I think that Baltimore game was tough to tell because the colors of the jerseys are so similar Mm-hmm. And, you know, like there's a lot of Raider fans who wear the white jerseys. Like I wear a white jersey sometimes. I wear my white Bo Jackson jersey. But there's not oh, a lot of nice. there's not a lot of opposing teams who wear their white, you know, their white jerseys. So like you mean your Bo- uh, KJ, you mean your KJ Wright jersey, my KJ Wright. Yeah, my KJ Wright jersey, um, him, him, him wearing 34. Good Lord. It's weird, right? Yeah, um, that's because of that rule where you can wear whatever number you want now. I hate but it. Uh, especially thirty four for the Raiders. You're gonna have offensive linemen wearing number one soon. Uh, think no, of their sexy. No chance. No chance. <laughs> but uh, you know, so, so like with Baltimore, they wear purple, dark purple, and or yeah. they have the black jersey. So it's tough to tell. But like at this game, I would say seventy five twenty five. I mean, that's about okay. the split. There's little pockets of orange, and my seats are the on the opposing sideline, so there's a little bit more. But I mean, it's it's. I think the fans in Vegas, not to get too Vegas-centric, but they're still learning how to be football fans. It's very yeah. similar to when the Knights came. I mean, they get really excited, but, like, you know, there's they're still learning how to do the whole NFL town thing. Yeah, and they'll have to learn to be a baseball town. You're already wearing the A stuff, ready for them to come to Vegas. <sighs> I don't want that to happen. I know, I, I'm but not gonna it's be sounding like it is. It, 
Yeah. Well, so the site that they have a bid in on is the uh, Tropicana Hotel and Casino. Yeah. It's like 130 acres. It's all right mm-hmm. on the strip. But I mean, that, no, just get it done. Get it done in the Bay Area. Uh, John Fisher, open up the pockets. We know you have the money. Uh, just bu- build yeah. something there. I would love for that to happen, man, but I'm not I'm not holding on hope. But sticking with the Raiders here. So they're eight and seven. Mm-hmm. And they're not in the playoff picture right now, but they could be given, you know, teams lose and they come back up. And we were talking about this before we did the podcast. You were saying that you do like their chances against the Colts. I was saying well, right now. <laughs> well, well, no, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. even even before Carson Wentz, you were saying mm-hmm. That well, I mean, you, you say it like oh, a line to say, say what you gotta say, my friend. Like, did you think prior to Carson Wentz's COVID issue that the Raiders had a chance against the Colts? Yeah, I would say they had a decent puncher's chance, not like you know, a long shot like the Texans did against the Chargers, but you know, I'd say 60 40, you know, yeah. around there. So, not out of this world, but also if they lost, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's one they should have won, um, exactly. Um, I would have said that I think the Colts would have been a heavy favorite. And in my opinion, prior to this situation with Carson Wentz, I thought the Colts were the second best team in the AFC. I think it's the Chiefs. I think it's the Colts. I think the Bills are right there. And then I think the, um, who am I missing here? Oh, the Patriots. Patriots right underneath them. You didn't mention the Titans either. You know, the thing is the Titans, while I do think they'll get the second seed, um, with no Derrick Henry, and it's not confirmed. I haven't heard anything confirmed 100% that he'll be back for the playoffs. And I think their defense is playing well right now, but I really don't trust Ryan Tannehill. So I think the Titans could be a second seed and lose in the first round, in my opinion. But it's just as far as the Colts here, I think I've been saying it from the get-go. I think Carson Wentz is a really good quarterback. Um, they know how to use him in the system of Frank Reich. He's making deep throws. He, you know, they, they, they'll, there'll be games where he only throws seven passes and throws for 57 yards and they beat the Patriots because the ground game is so lethal with Jonathan Taylor. Prior to Carson Wentz's COVID, uh, uh, testing positive for COVID, um, I thought the Raiders did not have a chance against the Colts. I don't, I, I just think the Colts are miles and miles better than them. But any given Sunday, anything could happen. Yeah. But I, th- I thought it was going to be a long, Hall order for them to beat the uh, Indianapolis Colts. However, now that Carson Wentz is most likely going to miss the game, but I don't know now because with the CDC rules and NFL literally just changed this hours ago, quarantining for players will go down from 10 to 5 days, Mm -hmm. including unvaccinated players, which Carson Wentz is. By my count, 5 days from now is Sunday. Most likely scenario is Carson Wentz does not play. But if we're going by the letter of the rule and everything, shouldn't Carson Wentz get the ability to test pot to test positive or negative come Sunday morning, hours before the game, and then we know if he plays? 100% I agree with that. Um, I think every player, it doesn't matter what the league is, ha- should have the opportunity to test negative ga- uh, game day, day of. And, yeah. you know, that can be an hour before kickoff, 30 minutes. Before, look, negative's negative, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, not that I'm a scientist or a doctor, but you should have the opportunity to test negative. Um, that being said, just to let people in, like, 
yeah, I'm a Raider fan. I love the Raiders, but you know, I penciled this in as a loss. So yeah. I've already, I've already looked at it. it you know, their their chances go up because of the health and stuff like that. Of course they do. But look, like this is a very tough spot. You're going to Indy. Like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who's going to play quarterback. Your guy's going to, your guy's going to play quarterback if Carson Wentz doesn't go. Your guy, Sam Ellinger. Is it him or Tony or not Tony Eason? Jacob Eason? It'll, it'll. Uh, from what I've read, it looks like it'll probably be Sam Ellinger, unless Ooh. they decide to give uh, Philip Rivers a call. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised by that either, but I don't think Philip's going to come back for this game. You don't want to um, beat the Raiders one last time? No, God. Wouldn't that be so fitting for Philip Rivers to come back out of retirement to talk shit to the Raider fans again? God, I'm a big Philip Rivers guy. Too. See, we're the opposite on him. I love Philip Rivers. I mean, I don't like what I he was, did to the Raiders so many yeah, years, but, but I, 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 I like I him. I respect him. I just he was annoying as shit. He was the only quarterback that would like talk shit to the the fans in a and classy I'll, way, no swearing. Yeah, in a classy way. But I always remember him uh, being mic'd up and Lerondo McLean coming on a blitz and him going, "You think that's a good blitz, Lerondo? That's a bad blitz, man. I saw that coming a mile away." <laughs> And it was just like anger of just like, God damn you, Philip Rivers. You're exactly right because our team sucks. That was a bad blitz. You, yeah. you called it. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad blitz. It was a bad career for Lerano McLean down to the mugshot. Oh, but yeah. It, it was – he just – he picked us apart. Like I have more bad memories of Philip Rivers. Obviously, he played, he played more time with the Chargers than Drew Brees did. Yep. I don't really care about Drew Brees. I, I love Drew Brees. As, you know, I remember him more as a saint. I fucking can't stand Philip Rivers. The first but, Raider game I ever went to, Drew Brees uh, and the Chargers beat uh, beat the Raiders on a Latanian Tomlinson run, like at the very, very end of the game. 2002? Yeah. 2002, yeah. yes, yeah. correct. That, that was down there when they're doing their four-game slide when they started mm-hmm. 4-0. Yeah, but uh, back to this game, like, yeah. if you – okay, if you're realistic about it, you know, the Colts have – I'd say the defensive line edge definitely goes to the Raiders, right? The linebackers – I mean, that's that's the Colts all day. Well, um, okay. I, I would say this. If Darius, Darius Leonard is healthy and if, yeah, off COVID if, protocol, then yes, I give the edge to the Colts there. With DeForest Buckner, I don't know, man. Like, he's such a game changer that I is. may give the edge to the Colts there. Uh, well, okay. So, yeah, if if you look at DeFor- DeForest Buckner is a great player for sure, and he's such a disruptor. But the whole defensive line. But the whole defensive line yeah. and, the, and the bodies and everything they can do. The secondaries are about the same. Sometimes they play well. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Um, offensively, I, I like Derek Carr more than Wentz, just quarterback for quarterback. Hmm. But then offensive line-wise, like, I, I mean, even, oh, Colts. Even, even if the Colts ha- are still missing Quentin Nelson or guys like that, they're still yeah. better. Running yeah. back, oh, Josh Jacobs, you know, great Alabama player. He's having <laughs> a terrible year. Um, he had one. He's had one good game so far this season. Jonathan Taylor is a dark horse MVP candidate. He, right. He's clearly better. And yeah. um, at wide receiver, there's no competition. The Raiders don't have any wide receivers besides Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Um, Darren Waller might play. That's interesting <laughs> if, if he plays. Um, yeah. But, you know, that that's kind of where they're at. But to get into, like, the whole playoff discussion, look, the Raiders can lose to the Colts. R- really what the Raiders, the biggest gift they could have asked for on Christmas besides beating the Broncos. It's nice to have the Chargers lose to the Texans. <clears throat> it's huge. But what they what they really wanted was the Bills to lose to the Patriots. If mm. the Bills had lost to the Patriots, that that would have given them a lot more outs. And now that that didn't happen, 
you know, the Rams have to beat the Ravens, the Titans have to beat the Dolphins, the Broncos have to beat the Chargers and the Browns and Steelers game. That can go either way. But that and and then in, in week 18, assuming the Raiders do beat the Chargers, then you'd have to have the Bengals beat the Browns and the Bills beat the Jets. So like there's, there's some a lot. Things that can, there's a lot. A lot of it can happen. I'd say the biggest ask on that list, it, it and this is if the Colts beat the Raiders, the biggest ask on that list is the Broncos beating the Chargers. Right. Um, but yeah, like by so you, just real quick, you're saying there's a scenario. So let's just say hypothetically the Raiders do lose to the Colts. Mm-hmm. Even if the Raiders do beat the Chargers come week 18, there's a possibility that they still don't make the playoffs. There's so many yes. other things that have to go their way for them in order to get in. There's so, a possibility where the Chargers end up uh, being there or yeah. the Steelers or Baltimore ends up being there. Or, you know, I think the scenario where the Bengals and the Browns can both make it, I think that's off the table. Uh, I'm not Probably, sure. Yeah. I, there's, I don't there, think... there's, there's so many different things. But basically, in order for the Raiders to make the playoffs, they have to win this game on Sunday against the Colts. Uh, yes, but then there's also some scenarios where they beat the Colts and then lose yeah. to the Chargers. And, and if they lose to the Chargers and they beat the Colts, it doesn't matter. That Chargers well, game is going to be very, very important. It is. But, but the this Colts, weekend's... they got to take care of the Colts. Yeah, Exactly. But this weekend's game is the one in front of us and it's the most important game. I would say this. I would not be the least bit surprised. The Raiders, despite the fact Carson Wentz may not play, would still lose because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they have to stop the run, and that has to be their main focus. If they cannot stop Jonathan Taylor, then they won't win. It's just as simple as that. And If it is Sam Ellinger, so it's going to be Sam Ellinger over Jacob Eason. That's that's, what it looks like. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Well, I would say this. Are they going to bust out the eighteen wheeler package that uh, Charlie <laughs> Strong used to like to run? I with mean, maybe, Ellinger? dude. Like, I, you know, I, I, uh, I watched Texas football. I watched Sam Ellinger for however long he played. Uh, I, I went to UT. Yep. Um, Sam Ellinger is a good athlete. I don't know if he's a good quarterback. He's like Tim uh, Tebow. <laughs> yeah. Well, bit. not as good, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? No, I mean, I, I think he could throw better than Tebow. I would say that. Mm-hmm. I would say this, though. He is like a Tebow, and then he could pull a game out of his ass. There was a preseason yeah. game I, I worked on earlier this year where he filled in the last couple of drives against the Panthers. Jacob Eason started the game. Sam Ellinger finished the game. And in typical Jacob or uh, Sam Ellinger fashion, he pulled that playoff or preseason game out of his ass by making plays. He's, you know, he's not going to wow you with anything he does as a pocket <coughs> quarterback. But he no. just does things. He's he's a winner, mm-hmm. even though he didn't win a lot of games at UT to put him in the national uh, championship conversation. He just has a winner mentality or winner, you know, embodiment where he won't show it in practice, but he'll make plays, athletic plays, either running or throwing that puts the team in a good position. So I would not be the least bit surprised if Sam Ellinger beats the Raiders on Sunday because they use kind of a a run pass option where you don't know if it's going to be him running or if it's going to be Jonathan Taylor running. I think that that gives the Colts a little added dimension to their offense that the Raiders may not be able to handle. And then I agree. And then historically, how many times have we seen, I mean, how many times have you seen Derek where the Raiders lose to a quote unquote inferior quarterback, no, all you know, the time. especially one who's mobile. It almost happened two weeks ago with the Browns. They had a plethora of people out, and they almost lost Nick Mullins. Now, Nick Mullins beat them a couple years ago with the 49ers. That was terrible. 
that actually was kind of the day that I stopped being a Raiders fan. But where watching, were you for that game? Were you in oh, Santa I was, Clara? I was at Levi's. That was that was a big deal. That was that was the day that Greg was coming back to well, not back, but he was well, he was he was going back to face the Raider fans. Raider yeah. fans were coming back to Levi's. It was weird. Raider Raider people were there. Niner people were there. And, you know, my dad had to, you know, talk to Gruden and talk to everybody that was there. It was a weird day. And the Raiders got their ass kicked. And I was still on the fence. You know, I was still like, you know, I still want to support the Raiders. And that was the last straw where I was like, I can't do this anymore. J- Jim Cozumore and I were at the uh, Hooters in uh, Santa Clara. Oh, the, the so doing pregame the, uh, show in Campbell? The pre- yeah, the pre and post game show in Campbell. Yeah, in Campbell. And, uh, oh, my goodness. I mean, that was such a yeah. slaughter. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that Raiders team was terrible. But uh, that was bad. That that was a bad day. That was I want to say in the pregame show. That was when Gruden was talking about like, "Hey man, I got people calling me, wanting to join this team," and it turned yep. into a tampering thing. And obviously, we know what happened with Gruden. But um, just focusing on the here and now, let's just say hypothetically the Raiders do manage to win both of these last two games and sneak oh, into the in. playoffs. Yeah, they're in. So, how would you feel about this season then? Because a lot of people would be like, they started three and zero. They had such high aspirations. And they squeak by to go ten and seven and make the playoffs. I think that's a victory given all the shit they had to deal with this year. I, I already think that look, I mean, I already think that they've done an amazing job in terms of being able to not sink like a rock. The yeah. fact that they're playing meaningful games in December, the fact that they control their own destiny, which so many other teams don't, I mean that's huge, especially when you have head coach who you know, screws himself and you know makes a really stupid decision, and then he gets fired or resigns, and then you elevate Rich Passaccia, who's trying his best to do. He's the coach right now, and he's trying his best to to keep doing things. You have Henry Ruggs, who makes the dumbest decision um, that I've seen in a long time, at least sports wise. Um, you know, outside of guys like, you know, I don't know, committing like a murder or something like that, but like. To get in your car and then go do that, and I don't want to go through all that. But you know, you've had two massive, huge like meteors impact the organization. And let's just go back even a, a year ago. Yeah, Mark Bedane has to step down because they're paying too much. They're paying too much taxes. And, <laughs> and Mark Davis is like, "Yeah, we got to get rid of these. Guys. We can't be giving money away. I'm already in the hole two billion dollars because of this new stadium I have. You know, I can't, I still can't pay Khalil Mack. That's what Mark Davis is saying. Um, but uh, you know, so with all the things that have happened, you can't you can't go okay. Like this is a total failure. Starting out three and zero, then three and two, then five and two. Look, it's ups and downs of the NFL season. The Raiders have had a lot more road bumps to deal with than a lot of uh, a lot of other teams. That being said, they've dealt with their road bumps earlier in the season, and now at this point in the season, one of the things, knock on wood, for not just them but a lot of other teams, they haven't really had to go through the slew of COVID stuff, and um, we're really seeing that start to affect them which is kind of a juxtaposition as opposed to last year when the Raiders were the worst team when it came to COVID. They're going to Darren Waller <laughs> Foundation event, no Matt, you know, all that kind of stuff. So right. um, I, I obviously everybody wants the playoffs. If they finish 10-7, they'll probably be the fifth seed. That, that's a hell of an accomplishment for any team. You get to 10 wins, you know, you're, you're right in your own ticket wherever you want to go. But uh, just as it is now, they're 8-7. and seven, They have their own destiny in their hand. I think – I think if you told a lot of Raider fans and just a lot of people in general, look, not only are they going to eclipse their win total set at the books, which was seven and a half, they're already there. So you got winners in your hand if you have that ticket, but they've 
they've gotten to a point for another year in a row where they're playing meaningful games in December late in the season. Now they got to close the deal. That being said, n- no one was anticipating anything, any of these things happening. If they make it to the playoffs with an interim coach, if they finish nine and eight with an interim coach and don't make the playoffs, that's still an accomplishment. It's a winning season. It would only be the second one since uh, Derek Carr and Mark Davis have, you know, been at the helm of the team. Yeah. And you're doing it with all this other slew of shit, pardon my French, but crap that has happened, <laughs> you know, this season. So, yeah, I mean, is that class half full? Is that optimism? Yeah, but it's also just realism. Like, yeah. how many teams just sink when they have an interim coach in a situation like this? Pretty much the majority of them. I can't yeah. think of a time an interim coach took a team to the playoffs. I can't either. And the only thing I can well, keep football. thinking in football, the only basketball, it's like happens all, this, time. happens all the time. But um, in football, the only thing that's ever been similar to this is like the uh, early '90s Oilers, right? Where yeah, '93, where they were going to move, and mm-hmm. uh, they announced the team was moving, and then uh, a offensive lineman died on the team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had and another guy, Baby Gate, like yeah. Yep. And that's a that's a great football life. Um, what do you did they do a football life on that? Yeah, they did the '93 Oilers. Oh, yep. Interesting. What, what do you think? I mean, do you do you consider it a failure if they go nine and eight, don't make the playoffs? Like, no, I mean, I've been telling Stephen that we have to give context to this season. <laughs> yeah, I understand so that this has happened. This is an ongoing thing with the Raiders that they start hot and then they shit the bed towards the end. Mm-hmm. But I, I haven't seen anything like this before. No. And you could t- you could bring up the 93 Oilers, but their head coach didn't have to resign. No. Their, and I didn't see that. I wasn't around yeah, to yeah. see that either. Yeah, exactly. They're, and we live in a social media age where it's t- it heightened exponentially. They, ne- they didn't have to deal with their first-round draft pick that it was a, making a huge impact on the team. Next to Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, the best offensive weapon on the Raiders was um, – Henry Ruggs. Uh, Henry Ruggs. He was their and, leading receiver. Exactly. And he was a he made Derek Carr back to what he was. Yeah. Back to airing it out. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know ever since he broke his leg, he was kind of ch- checked down Carr. And he got his mojo back uh, using a term that Jack Del Rio did once upon a time. Yeah. But he got his he, he, he got his groove back throwing deep passes to Henry Ruggs. And now that's taken away from him. And the offense has not looked the same since. And he, he tries. He, yeah, keep, keep going. Sorry about no, that. No, no, no. Sorry. But yeah, he tries with Zay Jones or whoever. And it, it doesn't work. I know. Yeah. So I don't think anyone's had to deal with things that the Raiders had have had to deal with this season. It's it's incredible. Um, if they went nine and eight, yes, it would be a huge success, in my opinion. I just don't know how the owner's going to react to that. And I would tell you this. Even if they do make the playoffs with Rich Bisaccia, I think Rich is a great guy. But I do acknowledge the fact that they do need to get a, a different head coach in there. Yeah, and whoever that is, whether it's uh, Todd Bowles, Byron, Le- you know, the, all the different names, I don't know well, who, who it's going to be. Who would you want? Because let's just, you know. I'm the worst person to ask this, Derek, because you know what I'm going to say. Well, I, I, I'm going to say Dabo Sweeney. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to say a college guy. No, no but um, da- da- Dabo's not coming. <laughs> no. Oh, you know, you know what? Dabo's like, what? He's, he, he's kind of uh, 
you know, kind of fed up with everything going on with uh, college players getting paid. So he may want to go to the NFL. Well, and also, like, if I, I have to make some sacrifices. If Dabo was a Raiders coach, that means that he can't come in and then come back to the alma mater and Tuscaloosa and coach uh, the Crimson Tide after Nick Saban retires. But, okay, right. realistically, <laughs> out of, like, you know, the, the guys that are around and who would you pick? I mean, I don't Todd Bowles is interesting. It's interesting because the Raiders have had his, their, their eye on him for a while um, over the past, you know, 10 years. Uh, That's David, David Shaw's not going to get the job. Um, his ship has, I think, sailed. I don't in the think NFL. David Shaw wants the job. I don't think he does either. I think He's he would have given... wanted it when it was in Oakland, maybe. Yeah, it, it, you know, because his dad, obviously, Willie Shaw, defensive yep. coordinator, and David Shaw once was once upon a time the quarterback coach for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. He likes being the Stanford head coach. I yeah. David Shaw would be a fantastic NFL coach, but he doesn't want to do it. I think Jim Harbaugh is the most attractive, but also probably the most divisive uh, candidate out of them all. Yeah. What about uh, Eric Bieniemy? I don't know. Like, I love what Andy Reid does. Can Eric Bieniemy do the same thing? It's just yeah. so tough. It's just so tough to hire, and he deserves a look. Um, there's so many other teams in the NFL that should be hiring a guy like Eric Bieniemy. Um, Byron Leftwich is interesting. I know you're out on that. And and after we kind of texted about that, I kind of thought about it. I went, nah, that, that's that's a train wreck waiting to happen. Yeah, you know, listen, I think Byron Leftwich is doing great things in Tampa Bay, but I don't know if he's ready to be a head coach. I don't, I don't, I don't think so either. So you know, there's also another guy in the building that you could hire as a head coach, Gus Bradley. If you're that intent on retaining him, yeah. you could hire him. Well, that's but, my thing is, like, maybe they should hire an offensive guy so they can keep Gus Bradley. I don't know about Gus being a head coach again. I don't know either. Um, I, I, I I like the Harbaugh pick because it, from a number of reasons. You think that's feasible, though? I think it is. Uh, I think Harbaugh, so at Michigan, just to get into the college football aspect of things because that does affect this. Look, he was able to finally beat Ohio State this year. There's no guarantee he's going to be able to con- do that consistently, especially the way Ohio State recruits. Not that Michigan recruits bad. They have great players. But it's just, look, that was that, that was once in a blue moon for Harbaugh there. Um, he's gotten them into the playoffs. They have a really good chance of winning the national championship. I mean, if, I, if I'm Alabama, I, that's the one team that I'm like, I don't want to play them again. I'd much rather play Georgia again than, than I don't want to play Michigan. Um, with the with the magic that they've had this year. Uh, that being said, so say everything goes right, Harbaugh wins the national championship in Michigan, does all this stuff. Get the hell out! Incredible. Of there. You don't you don't want to end up like Ed Orgeron. Orgeron made mistakes mm-hmm. off the field. Um, you know, by hitting on a booster's wife, I believe that's what the story was. I don't know if, how true that is, but anyway, he pissed is off. That, a booster. Hold on. Is that why he's not being retained at LSU? I. I heard that on the radio, and I all I know is I think he rubbed a booster the wrong way, and yeah. Hey, what, what's that shot they always have of him with, without a shirt on next to like some blonde chick? Uh, I don't know, but have uh, you seen that? I, no. I, I just don't know if there's some some bigger story that I am not made aware of, or that people just don't think he's football smart. He's a great recruiter, but he doesn't know X's and O's. It's just weird to me that Ed Orgeron epitomizes LSU football, and he's not being retained. But back to your main point, Alon. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know why he's not being retained. There's all there were all kinds of rumors and and what the deal was, whether he, you know, pissed off a booster, John Paul Foons, I guess is the guy's name. Like, I, I don't know what happened, and I don't want to put false stories out there. But right. whatever happened, the power structure at LSU was done with that Orgeron. I, I don't. The power structure at Michigan is going to be 
very mad at Jim Harbaugh if he wins a national championship and then goes back to losing to Ohio State every year. So uh, for him, exit strategy-wise, I would get the heck out and I'd be like, look, I did it or I got us here and that's it. Like, I want to go back to the NFL. And I think he does want to go back to the NFL. Um, Internal NFL head coaching candidates, who, who, who would you really get? And real quick on the Ed O thing, like, like I said, we don't really know what the situation is there other than yeah. he made the boosters mad, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I've heard Doug Peterson's name thrown out there. I've heard Eric Bieniemy. I've had heard Todd Bowles a lot. I don't know. Wh- whatever decision they make, at the end of the day, I do think it's in the best interest of the Raiders to bring back Mike Mayock and Derek Carr. Are you I agree. Ready? I think Mayock needs a fair shake without Gruden and – who are you, to the Derek Carr thing? Who are you going to get that's that's better than Derek Carr? Well, I, the, the Russell Wilson stuff I don't think is going to happen. The Aaron Rodgers stuff I don't think is going to happen. I think you're just banging on the idea of another veteran quarterback is going to come in and sign with the Raiders. And if Al Davis were still alive, yes, I don't think the, the Raiders are an attractive job for head coaches. As far as like players. I'm not so sure. I, I I don't know. It has to be the right situation given the head coach and the general manager. I don't know if Vegas is a place the players want to play, but I think this team has pieces, and I think it just fell apart that they didn't have a coach and they, they lost one of their best players. I watched the team, and I think that Derek Carr, given a good situation, would be a great quarterback. I think he is a great quarterback. He's just not put in good, good positions to win. Mm-hmm. For yeah. any of the years that he's been the, head co- uh, the, the uh, quarterback of the team, you know his best situation was in 2016, and then he broke his leg. And, and he's been out me. in a lot of games in that season. Exactly. And it's you know, it's funny how things come full circle. There's a chance that Derek Carr <laughs> gets the Raiders back in the playoffs against the Colts. Yeah, against well, the Colts. I, we'll, we'll see. They also have to beat the Chargers and a plethora of things have, has to have to happen. But I understand how the season went, and we still got two games, so there's still a finality to this whole thing. But I do think the Raiders do have promise going forward. They just have to make the right moves. And whether that's keeping Mayock or keeping Carr, I think that's I think that's what I would do. But blowing it up again doesn't really solve any issues to me. And I don't think and so. Real quick, I looked this up. So LSU for this is from the Daily Mail. LSU fires head coach Ed Orgeron after a string of humiliating losses, and this is what it was: he ignored a harassment claim made against uh, one of his players. So oh, I mean okay. that that'll get you out every time. So yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I knew it was something sexual, but. Anyway, um, the uh, the thing with the with the Raiders, so yeah, blowing it up again doesn't make sense, and blowing it up in Las Vegas when everybody look like I read a really interesting article in the Review Journal, who's still not very nice to the Raiders, but it was they made an interesting uh, uh, whoever the writer was made an interesting uh, observation. He said, "Look, the Raiders have a residency in Las Vegas, just like anybody else who plays on the Strip, whether it's." a music artist or whoever it is. And I don't completely agree with that because it's a sports team and it's different, but blowing something up in a town where it's not like the a super front runner town, like LA can be or Miami, but blowing something up in a town where people really want value for their entertainment. That's not a good idea. Also like who are you going to get? That's better than what you already have in place. I don't see anything on the horizon. I mean, do you want to, Mortgage the franchise for two years of like a guy like Aaron Rodgers. That's great for those two years. You might get a Super Bowl out of it, but it can also blow up in your face big time. 
It could. I mean, a Super Bowl would be huge, but I understand what you're saying. You you don't want to operate like the Rams where you're just going to be like, we got to win now and fuck the future. And you can't operate like the Bucks because the Bucks have the greatest quarterback of all time in ter- or the great he's the greatest player in terms of winning and all those things, right? I'm and glad you said that cuz there have been better quarterbacks. The, yeah, the, yeah, no, there there have. I mean, annals of history, which I don't know what that means, but I'll use that word. Yeah, it's a good one. The annals of history. There have been better <laughs> quarterbacks, but Tom Brady is, you know, it's it's similar to Muhammad Ali. Is Muhammad Ali the greatest heavyweight of all time? No, it's probably, you know, Jack Johnson or Joe Lewis or a guy like that. But is Muhammad Ali the greatest boxer of all time? Yeah, I'm just you can't you can't question it. Tom Brady's the same way. Are there guys who yeah. have been better skill wise at what he does? Sure, but they don't have the hardware that he does. So exactly, you know, but at least the, he's the greatest. Yes, I I love how you use that word instead of calling him the goat, which is just a fucking stupid phrase to me. Vince Scully never liked that term either. The goat. The goat. I don't, if, I don't know if you ever remember on a broadcast for the Dodgers when. He was uh, seven years ago, and he goes, and so-and-so explained to me what GOAT means, and it means greatest of all time. Uh, I don't know if GOAT is what I would want to be called or something like that, <laughs> and it was it was funny. <laughs> Interesting to note that people are using the phrase GOAT these days. Yeah, yeah. A GOAT is an animal, people. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that, what it was. That's my best Vince Scully. And that was um, it was good. But yeah, you don't want to do you don't want to do what the Bucks did. And you know what the Bucks did, and keeping this Raider centric here on this first segment or first part of the of the show is it's a long Bucks, first segment. The, it is, but the Bucks are very similar to what the two thousand two Raiders tried to do. Uh, Get a bunch yeah. of veterans yeah. and really good uh, future Hall of Famers. But they tried, won. And, no, but I'm saying, yeah, what they tried to do, and and the Bucks have ended up winning, and they have a really good chance of winning yeah. again. You know, the rate the 2002 Bucks or 2002 Raiders were so in the hole, uh, cap wise that it was yep. just bound to fail after that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was it was like I remember me and my dad watching the the 2002 AFC Championship game. I want to say like ten years ago against okay. the, ten, the Tennessee Titans mm-hmm. and Greg Gumble. And Phil Sims and the broadcast make a note like the Raiders are thirty dollars in negative cap space next season, and yep. you're like, holy shit! How, how did they survive that? And they didn't. They, they, kept, they, did they kept losing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had to get Kerry Collins and a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, yeah that that's what I think about the Raiders and um, the head coaching thing will sort itself out. They're gonna have to get someone. They're gonna have to get someone who's stable, like who can stabilize things, and yeah. but then knows what the hell they're doing on both sides of football. And they're also going to have to figure out what the power structure looks like between the head coach and the uh, GM. Uh, one guarantee I can make, I don't think we're going to see another head coach for the Raiders, at least for a while, who has control of everything. No, I agree with that. And we'll they'll probably have a head coach who does a better job of deleting his emails. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on oh, to God. the 49ers now. Ooh, yes. um, so... Last Thursday, they go to Tennessee, and they have a 10-0 lead, and it looks like they are dominating the game as they have done in weeks past against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm trying to think of who else they were. They had, you know, dominated the first half, and then just things slip away. But, yeah, then Jimmy Garoppolo throws a couple picks, and A.J. Brown comes back off of injury and has a dominant game. And in the end, the Titans were the more physical team than the 49ers, and they – managed to win that game. It probably helped that they were on a short week at home playing in the rain. Jimmy didn't look great, but I don't think it's something to go overboard on. The, the, the Niners lose 20 to 17 and it was a tough ask. On the but, road. On the road. But 
And me and Steven expected them to win that game. I don't know about you. I did. But, yeah, but I didn't come away from that loss thinking like, oh, shit, they're, they're totally fucked now. No, they're still, in my opinion, they are the best of the 8-7 and seven teams still remaining that can still make the playoffs. Now, do I think they're going to make a playoff push and beat whoever the division winners are when it comes to Tampa Bay, uh, the Rams, or the Arizona Cardinals, or Dallas? No, I don't think they're beating any of those teams, in my opinion. But... I do think, given the circumstances where they wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to play this season, I thought that they they did a good job. I mean, they they yeah. whatever it was was two and four, whatever they started, um, losing four in a row. They went two and zero oh and lost four in a row. They rectified things and they are on the cusp of making the playoffs. Their chances of making the playoffs are very good. However, now Jimmy Garoppolo has a thumb injury. He has yeah. torn ligaments in his thumb, and his status for Sunday. Is up in the air right now. We don't know if he's going to play or not. But Niners fans' reaction to this is good. Great. Yeah, I know. They're so get happy. Jimmy Garoppolo the fuck out of there, and yeah. let's get Trey Lance in there. You sick people. Uh, it's like, so you, misguided. <laughs> like, like, like what, what, what? This guy got you to the cusp of the playoffs, and he's and he's leaving. And you could have you know a nice send off of him got of him getting you there, and then he's going to be gone, and you'll all be happy. But. You think Trey Lance is going to save you now? Or, like, you think it's good you'll miss the playoffs and give Trey Lance some opportunity to get some time in with two games left before the playoffs? Are you out of your mind? No. Especially against the Texans team who's coming off a big-ass win against the Chargers. Exactly. And people will scoff at that and say, oh, the Texans, who are they? They just kicked the Chargers' ass. So if you think Trey Lance is going to cop in there and just light it up, no, he's more likely to look like Ian Book last night. So I would say you better hope. <laughs> it, might, it might have been. It might have been. It might have been. Ian Book looked like a deer in headlights last, last night. But um, yeah, like it, it makes no sense to me. Like everyone was just pining over Jimmy Garoppolo, and we understand he's not been playing well. But to wish that he does get injured, and this scenario happens now where Trey Lance is going to take you into the playoffs, I think it's very just sick. I, th- I think it's sick. I, I do too. I mean, look, I uh, just from a pure football or any sports standpoint, I am so disgusted, and I'm sure you are too, when people are like, oh, I'm so happy that guy's injured. Or, no, I don't but, like You know, it's like, no, it's terrible. And for fans to be rooting for, uh, for their own quarterback who got them to uh, a Super Bowl, uh, he, w- he ended up being that missing piece along with Shanahan to get them to a Super Bowl and almost win said Super Bowl. Um, Look, and then the hope he's out when your team is finally starting to gel and come together, the running game, all these kinds of things. And, and so it, I, I think this kind of encapsulates the whole thing. I saw a, a headline on fan-sided or one of these like, you know, secondary, not like AP or US Today, you know, or ESPN, yeah. but like, you know, one of these other sites. So I think it was like fan-sided or something like that. It said uh, the Trey, Trey Lance show has to start now. Like they have to let Trey Lance like do the thing. And I'm like, now okay now yeah now wouldn't that have been at the start of the season by the way you had mentioned how they started two and four two and oh they that yeah. crazy game against the lions where the lions were like hey we're gonna be the and uh the against the spread darlings of the nfl yeah. this year us us and the the philadelphia eagles but um the, the four teams they lost to in a row because i'm looking at it here the packers 30 28 then the seahawks 28 21 that was before the seahawks you know imploded because of russell wilson injury 
Um, and then they lost to the Cardinals 17-10, and then the Colts 30-18. What do three of those teams have in common? They're all pretty, like, one of yeah. them's the second-best team in the AFC, in your opinion, and that's the Colts. And the other uh, one is the top team in the NFC. Yeah, the other one's the top team in the NFC, and the other and the Cardinals are one or two in the NFC West, you know? Yeah. So those are good teams that they lost to. But then then they start winning. I mean, they, to, to go two and four and then get to the point that they're at where they're – what are they? They're eight and seven. And eight and seven, yep. Yeah, they're, they're a game above 500, and they and, have the Texans on the schedule and then the Rams. And now you're going to bring in Trey Lance, who – look, I have, my qual- I have my qualms with Trey Lance. Um, I thought the Niners – should have and would have drafted Mac Jones. And and I'm a little biased. I'm with you on Mac that. Jones is a good quarterback because I'm an Alabama guy. But, like, he is good. He, he knows what he's doing, and he's a plug-and-play guy where he doesn't need to really – yeah, he needs to get up to speed with the playbook and all that kind of stuff and timing, but not, like, feeling, feeling everything out. Trey Lance hardly played any football at, in college, didn't play at a big program in North Dakota State. Um, and it's just like – it's, this is not Greg Roman's offense either to start the Trey yeah. Lance show. Yeah. Like that kind of offense. I, and I think a lot of Niner fans are having flashbacks to when Alex Smith went down and then Ka- Kaepernick came in, which was wonderful for the Niners in a lot of ways. Um, but this is not that same offense. This is not the offense where all of a sudden Trey Lance can just come in and then use all of his supreme uh, arm talent and athletic ability to kind of just make stuff up as he goes. Like, He's going to have to all these things that people take for granted with Jimmy Garoppolo. When Jimmy Garoppolo executes the rollouts the correct way and dumps it off to use check and it's a huge gain or, you know, he, he see, he knows when Kittle's going to be open. Like that's, that stuff's not going to be there with Trey Lance. Now you're going to get a lot of more uh, dynamic ability out of Trey Lance, but like this late in the season, I mean, that's, that's tough. You got to win that Texans game. You do. And I kind of equate it to when Derek Carr was down with a broken leg. I, it's not the same team because the, the, that 2016 Raiders had a, a chance to do something in the playoffs. I don't know what they would have accomplished, but if Derek Carr is healthy, that's a different it probably outcome. would have beat the Texans, right? It most likely would have beat the Texans. Yeah. But now this changes your offense completely. So to go into the playoffs, possibly with Jimmy Garoppolo not being there and you have to learn a whole new offense, like, I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants to play that way. I don't think he wants to play like Lamar Jackson and do the pull read option stuff. I think he wants a quarterback that's going to drop back and throw passes, and they want to run the football. The ability to run the football is killed with Trey Lance there because that's what they're going to take away. So they're going to force Trey Lance to throw. You think Mm -hmm. Debo's going to be able to run like he used to? He won't. So I Not with the beating his body's been taking as a running back. Yes. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't think this is a good position for the Niners to be in. We'll see what happens. It's not been confirmed yet that Jimmy Garoppolo is out, even though it kind of looks that way. I think Kyle will talk tomorrow, and you'll get a sense of where he's leaning. But, yeah, I I do think the Niners still make the playoffs. If Trey Lance mm-hmm. plays on Sunday, I still would pick them to beat the Texans. But it's not. they're not going to look like the same team. They'll They'll go into the playoffs limping a little bit. There's scenarios where the Niners, just for all the scenario people out there, yeah. there's scenarios where they lose their last two games and they go to the playoffs eight and nine. Oh, like, really? That's that's on the table. Yeah, they would yeah. need a lot of things to happen. I think they're going to beat the Texans. Look, I, I was too. very. I, I'm yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say I was very surprised they didn't beat the Titans, and I had texted you about that game, and I said, 
wasn't that just kind of the spot where the Niners, like, we just expect them to beat up on good teams but not elite teams? Right, like, yeah. They usually feast in those, in those opportunities. Yeah, and, you know, they did, and then, you know, not to harp on Jimmy playing poorly, but he, he didn't play great in the Tennessee game. No. I still there, – there were some people suggesting that Trey should have played in this game regardless, that Jimmy's Jimmy and you just throw Trey out there against a poor team. You can't think that way in the NFL. No. you got to win every game you can. And Kyle's made it a, – a, he's, he's made it clear. He's made it clear that Jimmy is the guy this season. So this injury is something that he didn't want to happen. No. And to your point, along you said earlier – I know you watch Mac Jones at Alabama. Do you think this team would have been a better position with Mac Jones as their quarterback? Um, starting from the get-go? or Yes. Ju- okay. I'll throw, hmm. I'll throw the scenario at you. I think, the, I think that Kyle did want to draft Mac Jones, and things happened, and Trey Lance is now their, their guy. Mm-hmm. But let's just say hypothetically in this world, this matrix, that Mac Jones was taken third overall. Then Jimmy is not there anymore. And I think he's traded to New England Patriots, and Jimmy's playing Patriot uh, quarterback for the Patriots now. And Mac That's Jones scary. starting day one for the Niners. Do you think the Niners are in a better position this season with Mac Jones as their quarterback? Right now, they'd similar be in a, situation. I think they'd be in the similar position right now, and okay. right now they'd be in a whole hell of a lot better position um, because. So let's just say the record's the same because I think it would. I think it would shake out about the same. Maybe mm-hmm. they win one that they, that they, I, I like, for instance, I think they would probably won that uh, Titans game. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, also we have to give a little credit to Ryan Tannehill. He had some clutch runs and some yeah. rocket balls that he threw in that game. But um, so let's say they're eight and seven right now, which is I think where they'd be with a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones and the way the team has played. I would be so much more confident with him after a whole, basically a whole season under his belt and then going into a Texans game. And Mac Jones is the kind of player who, you know, even though he's a rookie, like he's going to, he's going to beat the Texans of the world. He's going to beat the the Jacksonville Jaguars of the world. Like he's going to, he's going to win those games. You know, he's, he's not, he's a, he's a winner. He's not used to losing. Um, and the guy's tough as nails can make all the throws. And it's so much of an easier plug and play option to, put him into Shanahan's offense than it ever would be with Trey Lance. It's just, they're just different guys. And Mac Jones is a lot more comparable to what Jimmy can already do now than Trey Lance is. Um, That being said, like what you said, uh, Niners want to run the ball and they want to, they want to throw the ball, obviously, but all teams want to do that, but they want to be able to run the ball effectively. And then they want Jimmy to make the right reads and get the ball to the open guy. Um, I don't know if Trey Lance is going to be going to be able to do that right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas Mac Jones has kind of proven the game's not too big for him, and he can kind of it doesn't matter what the game plan is. He'll he's gonna he's gonna execute it at an above average level almost every week, and I think that's what Jimmy has been able to do for most of his career in San Francisco. He's been able to, you know, execute the game plan at sometimes at a at an amazing level, but most of the times, at least you're expecting an above average level from Jimmy. And that wins you a lot of football games, and it's just tough. Two weeks left in the season. And you know what? This would be a hell of a statement for Garoppolo, who has had injury problems his whole career, if he just said, look, I'm, I'm playing the damn game. Like, I'm taking an injection. You're taping me up, like, and we're going. I, and 
I don't care if it's my thumb. I'm going to, I'm going to get through this and we're, and we're going to win because I, because he knows that if they win this game, they're almost a lock. Oh yeah. If, if they beat the Texans, they're on, they're pretty much automatically in the playoffs. What's crazy to me that people don't understand is that if Trey Lance has to go on Sunday, he is not the best rookie quarterback on the field. Davis Mills is lighting it up lately. He is. Davis Mills is, is, especially last week or this past week, he's shown that he can air the ball out. Yeah. And he might be their guy going forward, but you know, it's tough just because Davis Mills has been given that opportunity to play where Trey Lance has been, you know, kind of babysat the whole season. And I, you don't want what happened to Jordan Love be the same situation what happens to Trey Lance where he's just sitting on the bench and not really progressing as a quarterback. But given the circumstances that Trey Lance has not played a whole lot of college football and the Niners still want to win, this is the best scenario. I know a lot of Niner fans are like, forget all that. Like, let's just start playing Trey Lance. Let's get, let's get going with the new age. Yeah. But, you know, do you want him looking like Ian Book last night? Like, no. you, you know, like the, you, you do want – I understand everybody goes off of what happened in training camp and how he looked, but he didn't look great since then. I, I've, we talked to John Dickinson. We talked to a lot of people. They all say that Trey, from the standpoint of preseason, looked bad after that. Didn't look good. J.D. Best, would be the one to know because he's always out there too. Exactly. So – I understand people just want the new shiny toy, you know, get him out there. Let's go. Let's rip the Band-Aid off. But if as Niners fans, wouldn't you want a playoff run before the downslide may happen with Trey Lance? I, I agree. I've never understood why, especially at this point in the season, like I get it. You're clamoring for the new guy. You think he's the savior. You think he can do all these things. Um why would you want things to blow up and reset? I mean, it's not going to be a hard reset because the roster is pretty darn good. But um, why would you want to start over basically on the offensive end all over again? And wouldn't you, like you said, wouldn't you want to make a deep run into the playoffs or at least get there, win, win the wild card game, you know, get in that divisional round, and then, and then anything could happen? Um, yeah. And this team has shown that they can compete with the good teams. I mean, they, they lost to Green Bay early in the season. It was 30-28 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they can they can play. Um, they can. I just don't know if I like their chances this season as, you know, in back in 2019 where they had I a great a great pass rush. And I thought there were holes in their secondary, but the, you, you were, we were talking about it before. Their secondary may be the worst in football right now. They benefit from their pass rush with Nick Bosa, Arden Key at times, Samson, uh, Ekubon, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say his name right, but I don't want to be like Jason Witten going Ebaku, Ebaki, or, or what, or what the uh, broadcast crew did for Albert uh, Oku. What do I, I can't even pronounce his name for the Broncos? They just called him Albert oh. O with the catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like, uh, yeah, when we dropped that pass, that would have put them <laughs> yeah. in a better. Al- yeah, Albert, Albert O. o. <laughs> Wait, who, who was the play-by-play guy? Was it Kevin Harlan? No, it was Gumble for the Raider game. Oh, it was, was Gumble and Tiki? How about Tiki Barber? Like. Saying, "Oh, Nathan Peterman's coming in the game. He's got his helmet on." No, Tiki, he's not. Yeah, he's just always got his helmet on because he's Nathan Peterman. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. A fo- he's a football guy. Um, yeah, but uh, ab- about the Niners, like, look, it, secondaries. Is, the secondary is is bad. Um, yeah. But that being said, their linebackers are good, and yeah. the the defensive line's great. And uh, 
you know, they have game changers pretty much at every level on their team, except for the secondary. They don't mm-hmm. have a game changer in their secondary, but should they expect to go in and win this Texans game? Yeah, there's no if you're if you're if you know you're a good football team and you're, you've been to a Super Bowl and you, you lost to the Chiefs, but and you know that you're always competing, you're you're a very good team. You go into this game and you're like, we're gonna win this game. There's no way we're losing this game. We just gotta play our asses off and and however the however the dice shake out, we're gonna win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like I don't get it. I don't get the whole Trey Lance thing, like wanting him to play now. If and I agree with you. If you're gonna play him, play him at the start of the season. But guess what? This isn't the fans' team. This yeah. is Kyle Shanahan's team. And Kyle Shanahan, I think, has a pretty good finger on the pulse of what it takes for this team to win. And what we've known for the last three and a half years is that Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer at quarterback. And all this other stuff's gonna have to get figured out next season. Better yep. to go to the playoffs with Jimmy. Have him grit through whatever he's, you know, with the thumb injury, uh, then, then just all of a sudden go, here you go, Trey, let's try to go on a run. Uh, that's just so tough. And yeah. one last thing about that, like, they're going to have to play. I mean, are, aren't teams going to just stack the hell out of the box as soon as Trey Lance is in the game? 100%. Oh, and, and they're going to be, they're going to be playing off coverage or press at times, but they're going to be stacking that box. There's gonna, always going to be a box safety and it's just going to be tough. Yeah, they're going to force Trey Lance to have to make throws. I don't like their chances. Which he can. He's got a great arm. No, I know, but he he hasn't he hasn't played. <laughs> yeah, and he, he, hasn't he played. I mean, in back to college too. Like it's, I don't understand it. I think that with Jimmy, you have a chance to maybe sneak a playoff win. But with Trey Lance, I don't think there's a shot. And you even with Jimmy, I don't, yeah. I don't I don't I don't like their chances against any of the division winners. Whether they have to play the Rams for a third time. Or the Cowboys, or um, who's the other team? Yeah, Tampa Bay, because most likely Green Bay is going to get that number one seed. But yeah, I I just don't understand the rooting, the cheering for a Jimmy Garoppolo injury, and hoping that Trey Lance shows something to get you guys, you know, a better shot of winning playoff games. There won't be a better shot of winning playoff games with Trey Lance. You got to give Trey Lance some time. Yeah, he needs time. He needs time and. You mentioned Ian Book earlier, and look, Ian Book played at Notre Dame. Yeah. Ian Book, you know, made plays with his legs, his arms, a tough guy. And look look how he looked. Unpre- I don't want to say he was unprepared. Obviously, he's studying and trying to get his – but he hasn't no, played a I mean, lot like of football he, in the NFL. Yeah. Like, So he, at times, like you said, looked like a deer in headlights. Like it was, it's, it was tough, and it's so tough to expect – a quarterback to come in at this point in the season and not miss a beat on offense. Yeah. No, just to talk briefly about last night's uh, game, Monday night football game with the saints and dolphins. Um, It was tough. You know, if, if Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon plays in that game, they probably win But you you know, actually I shouldn't say that because the dolphins have been playing really well. It's incredible what they've done starting one and seven winning seven straight. And now if the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs at eight and seven. Yep. I don't know if I like them winning the next two games to make the playoffs, but they have changed the narrative there where you might thought that Brian Flores was going to get fired. Maybe two, it doesn't come back. Maybe they get Sean Watson. I think that's all taken off the table right now, regardless of how the season ends. I think they're in a good position going next season for the dolphins to have success, but just focusing on the saints, if the saints didn't have the COVID problems, 
I or even the quarterback injuries mm-hmm. going from Jameis Winston, they swept the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in probably one of the best defensive games I've seen in a quite some time, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers nine nothing. I know they had a, they had a, had a bunch of injuries, and kudos to Dennis Allen, former Raider head coach. Hopefully, he gets another opportunity. Hell of hell of a DC. Yeah, hell of a DC. Um, I think that we were talking about the Tampa or uh, the New Orleans Saints possibly winning the NFC South again. Just because if they had better quarterback play, they would win more, win more games. Like they were five and two, and then they started losing games because the team didn't react well to Trevor Simeon. I think that Taysom Hill benefited from some of the opponents he played against. But um, yeah, Ian Book just looked really bad last night, just taking sacks left and right. And I want to talk about this real quick because this has nothing to do with football in the grand scheme of things, but something that happened to me last night watching that game. Mm. Alon. You play fantasy. We were in a fantasy league a couple years ago. <laughs> oh, my team was horrible that year. I did that all SEC thing. I know, but you did. I, I remember. I remember this vividly. We were all in the studio. You drafted Carry On Johnson, and my I did. Reaction, my reaction was, "Who the fuck's Carry On Johnson?" <laughs> and he's like, "He's a rookie from Auburn. He's he's gonna play. He's gonna be starting uh, line, uh, running back for the Lions." I'm like, "No chance." And who the fuck is that guy? And sure enough, he was. And you were yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, I was right about. <laughs> I was right about that. But, I don't know so where Carryon Johnson is today. He's not on the Niners anymore. But uh, he's not on my uh, fantasy football team anymore. Neither, yeah. neither is Super Cam. <laughs> but yeah, um, so fantasy football league. I'm in with Steven, and he didn't make the playoffs, but I did. Ooh. I was in the um, this last night's uh, or this week was the championship or the game to go to the championship round. The semifinals or semifinal? Yep. Yeah. And all I needed was Alvin Kamara to get eight points. That's and an easy. Just dump the ball off to him, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd think. You'd think. But in the analog, and I hate when people complain about fantasy football shit on the radio because it's just so annoying to me. I could care less. But it happened to me, and I felt it for the first time, and I lose because Alvin Kamara, it was a shitty pass, but he could have caught it on the screen pass on the third and long. He would have had an open lane, the one that Brian Greasy and uh, Lewis Riddick brought up mm-hmm. if he catches that pass and gets like 15 20 yards i win but i lost by 1.2 points good fucking god oh. that's, that's a bit dude as as uh scott that's, Van Hubble, that's a bad beat you know yeah and that's the it. yeah that was a bad beat. beat that was and i saw i saw it because you sent me the screenshot and oh, I, was I was pissed like, i was pissed i was livid even like two extra catches because i'm assuming you got yeah. a point per catch yeah ppr or, yep. yeah Oh, yeah. And uh, didn't you have Melvin Gordon on your team, too? Yeah, he got half a point. But I still would have won. You still would have won. Adam Thielen getting hurt and Melvin Gordon getting half a point. If Alvin Kamara just catches that last pass, I'm in the you, championship you, round. And your boy's getting some more money. But sadly, not happening. And life goes do you, on. Do you finish in the money? Do you finish? Is it, is it worked out? I could, it I, I, I could still finish third. I could still finish third and get Ooh, some cash. I'll be rooting for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate Th- that. That's pretty rough, though. Um, just, I'm a <laughs> yeah. terrible fantasy football player. The last time I had a good fantasy football team, Aaron Brooks was my quarterback. I came in Ooh. second in the league. Was this uh, Raiders Aaron Brooks? No, no, no. Saints Aaron Brooks. Oh, he was the good last, with the Saints. Yeah, this was like his last year with the Saints when he he ended up, I think, making a uh, maybe making a Pro Bowl. But, uh, yeah, it was like 2005 or something like that. Sad, yeah. <laughs> that, I want to say it was the Katrina year. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the last one, and then he went to the Raiders, and then he was think, getting sacked every week. Oh, the, yeah. bad. But, yeah, no, the, I, I'm, 
I'm the worst fantasy football player on the planet. That being said, man, to make it to the semifinals in your league, congratulations. Give yourself a pat on the back for that. Thank you. But uh, to lose by 1.2 points is just it's heartbreaking. I don't think do you think you would have do you think you would have won if Ian Book wasn't the quarterback? Yes. Yeah. So I'm blaming him. So Ian blame Booker, I'm on my shit list now. <laughs> blame Ian Book. Yeah. <laughs> just that's the last chapter in Ian Book's book. Just let's let's not remember that guy. No, yeah. I'm kidding. Hopefully, hopefully he goes on to be a great backup quarterback or whatever. You can take that book over to Savers or Half Price Books, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. eh, I don't really need this one anymore. Exactly. It gets sacked too much. Yeah. Uh, let's recap everything in uh, Week 16. We already talked about the Saints game, but let's talk about everything else that happened last week. The Packers survive against the Cleveland Browns. Aaron Rodgers throws three touchdown passes. He becomes the all-time touchdown thrower for the Green Bay Packers, surpassing his mentor, Brett Favre. His mentor. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but in the end, the Cleveland Browns could have won that game despite Baker Mayfield throwing three interceptions. On the last drive, the Packers had no answer for their running game with Nick Chubb. They had three timeouts. I don't understand Kevin Stefanski throwing three passes in a row and then Baker Mayfield throwing his fourth interception to Rasul Douglas. I... D- We'll get into Rasul Douglas uh, probably former as well, Raider. but uh, yeah, well, just a former few teams he was cut a yeah. few times this uh, this before the season started, and now he's at a Pro Bowl. Good for him, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't think there's too many teams out there that can stop the Browns' running game, and it's perplexing to me that you know Baker had already thrown three interceptions at that point, and why you wouldn't just keep pounding them on the ground. Uh, the Browns had ample opportunity to win that game, um, and. Like you said, even with Baker's three interceptions, obviously the fourth was the backbreaker. But um, they had they had ample opportunity to win that game, and you just keep running the ball. And that's something I don't understand about kind of the way the Browns have played this season. I've watched a good amount of Browns football, and I'm like, you, you got, you know, whether it's Chubb or Hunt or whoever, and that offensive line when they're churning, like they, they can't be stopped on the ground. They are no. a very tough team to stop. And you're thinking – if anything, that should help Baker Mayfield out more than having weapons on the outside or or anything. It's having such a lethal running game. And the way they lost that game, and to, ha- to, to have the opportunity to win the game, you, you have the last possession. With a field goal. Yeah, with a field goal. And uh, basically you're, you're to – You're at the 50. I mean, it's just a couple runs and you're there. Yeah, a couple runs, you're there. And, yeah, okay, would it have been a 40-yard plus? Sure. But uh, who, who's not to say that – the Browns don't rip off a 25-yard gain against yeah. a, a Packers defense that was, even though they had gotten the turnovers, uh, they, they didn't have a great an- – no one has good answers for for the, the Browns' running game. So good on Aaron Rodgers for surpassing Brett Favre. That's that's pretty awesome. That's something I never thought I would see. I mean, I, I never thought any of Brett Favre's passing records would ever get broken. Um, yeah, growing no, up crazy. watching Brett Favre, it was just like, okay, there's, there's Brett Favre and there's everybody else. Right. And, you know, that's probably the same way people felt when uh, Dan Marino was, you know, at the top of uh, a lot of the charts. It was like, no one's ever going to do that. Um, But, uh, yeah, the Browns basically sealing their fate by losing that game. And Mm -hmm. I think I texted you and I said, Baker who? And, you know, I've never – so it's kind of funny. I I used to kind of like Johnny Manziel when he was in college. Um, (laughs) Yeah. even with all the antics and all this, I don't much care for him off the field since he yeah. went to the NFL and all that. Um, Baker Mayfield, totally opposite guy, 
clink, you know, d- does the commercials and seems really personable and everything. Good actor. But this is, yeah, this is <laughs> some type of cosmic karma for planting a flag, you know, uh, at <laughs> Ohio State. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, you can't be that guy and then go into a game that you have to have and then throw four interceptions. And yeah. the and the fourth interception uh, being the one to, you know, break your team's back and pretty much take them. Their season's almost over now because of that. And mm-hmm. it's it's so funny. Um, the Browns at the start of the season or preseason and all the you know preseason chatter and stuff is like. And you listen to local Cleveland radio or some of the uh, bits of sound. It was like this is our year. Like we're making a push this year. We're doing this. And and you look at the way the running game has been. And you're like, damn, they they could. But then. Baker Mayfield just he does stuff like this in in some of these games and he's playing through injury he's got that that you know that sling or whatever on his shoulder mm-hmm. and you know he gets banged up and he's a tough guy and he 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 can make all the throws he's got a great arm and all that but like when stuff like that happens it's just like it, it, you're like is is this really the answer and at some point Browns fans have to start thinking about that too right I, don't they have I to go- mean. I think I think they already have, but like I said with Stephen about Derek Carr, just because a guy's contract is up in 2023 doesn't mean you have to get rid of him in 2022. That's true. So I no, understand they, you don't move away from Baker. No, no, no I mean no, like we could, we could bring in competition. You know, like sure. he's a first round draft pick. I don't like all this. You know, this ideas lately just because Sam Darnold was traded away after three seasons, just because Josh Rosen was traded away after one season. I was going to mention Rosen. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we, you know, people are surprised Daniel Jones is coming back for the Giants next year. People are surprised that Joe Judge is coming back for the Giants next season. You got to give people time to develop things. Yeah. Same thing you got, you're going to, Niner fans are going to have to give Trey Lance time. You're just as quick as you are to wanting him to come and play quarterback. You're going to be just as quick to say he sucks. So give him time. Next season is going to be a long season for Trey Lance. He could be great, but if he's oh, yeah. not good, you got to just, deal with it for a while because this is the this is what happens when you draft a guy third overall and this is why they want to do this so he can figure out how to be the best quarterback possible when he does get the opportunity but just going back to that stuff yeah I, I I do think that Baker Mayfield doesn't isn't the best quarterback I was shocked that he was the first quarterback taken in the 2018 draft I thought it was Sam Darnold I thought it was but, too especially the way Sam Darnold uh shoot do you remember that game at USC that he had against uh, Penn State oh absolutely that was a great Rose Bowl uh, it was incredible. Yeah. I but it doesn't, you know, you could just see how things play out. Have him play for his contract next season. If he doesn't play well, then adios, Baker. It's as simple as that. And you could have a great, you know, like they're capable of being a great team. They have so much talent. Like next to the Rams, I think they have the most talent on their their team. But they're talent star-studded. doesn't Yeah, they're star-studded. But it doesn't always translate to wins. And they, you know, they released Odell and they got to figure out the wide uh, wide receiver position going forward, but I, I don't understand that call by Stefanski in that game. Baker Mayfield was not going to get you to win that game. They win that game because they have a great running game with Nick mm-hmm. Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Andy Ernest Johnson is a great runner as well. They can win most games by running the football. They just got to find a quarterback that can help them, you know, when the run is stuffed that he's able to go over the top. And I don't know if that guy's Baker, but I want to be so quick to get rid of him. Isn't that the recipe too to go beat a team like the Green Bay Packers? Like our running games yeah. just unstoppable. Like yeah. our running game can can just keep us in the game, and we can control clock and stuff. Like take away those interceptions, and they they win that game. 
Probably. Green Bay Packers, that was one of their worst games that they played all season. Yeah, they've been sleepwalking through the last – they've been lucky the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't get the two-point conversion in Baltimore, so they win the game. They, you know, the Browns throw a pick at the end against, you know, the Packers, and they survive that game. And the Packers are only going to get better with David Bakhtiari, Jahir Alexander, Zadarius Smith coming off IR. and That's huge. Zadarius yeah. Smith is massive oh, for them. Yeah. And what, a, what, a, what a great acquisition he was when they were able yeah. to get him away from Baltimore. And they got Rashawn Gary filling in right now that's playing well with Preston Smith. So I think the Packers probably right now are the best team, but we'll get to that in a little bit here. Just to go through these other games real quick, um, Cardinals are in free fall since uh, Kyler Murray came back. It'd be the Chicago yeah. Bears. They've yeah. lost three in a row. They lose to the Colts, who are missing Darius Leonard and other offensive linemen. In the end, the Colts get the win. Kyler Murray just doesn't look the same to me. He's making really poor decisions, just running into sacks and just doing dumb things. I know they're injured with DeAndre Hopkins being out, but they, they're they just going forward on fourth down at dumb times. They're not running the ball like they used to. I don't know if it's just because the Cardinals are – um, you know, feeling the pressure, and we always thought they, you know, they they weren't the best team in the NFC, even though they started seven and zero, and they clinched a playoff berth with Minnesota losing, mm-hmm. so they they are in the playoffs. But if I was the Arizona Cardinals, you got to show something before you get into the playoffs a little bit here. You got you got to win a game. They need their defense to kind of stabilize things, and they did a really good job holding the Colts to only twenty two points. I think the one thing that kind of gets lost a little bit in that game that they just played against the Colts was, and I liked, I liked Arizona in that game. You know, at home, I was like, I, I think too. Arizona's got to have a bounce back here, and this is where it should be against a good team that they got to get up for. Prater, Prater missing yeah. three kicks, two field goals, an extra point. Okay, I'm not going to say that he should have made all his field goals, but that's, let's just say, four points they left on the board. And then you're looking at a situation where you don't need a, you know, you don't need a touchdown or you don't need to come back from two scores kind of deal. Um, Cause at one point, what it was uh 22 to 13, 22 to 10 kind of, yeah. kind of in that, in that range. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, watching that game and I was just like, man, you know, I was at sports book watching. I was like, what is, what is going on with the card sports book on Christmas day? I love it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, hey, really comfy one in Henderson at the sunset station, <laughs> great chairs, but um and quiet, which is what I like. Quiet. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, Prater missing those field the field goals and then the extra point. I mean, that's seven points right there. Obviously, it doesn't work this way. But oh, add that seven points to so their sixteen, they win by one. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the Cardinals, like you said, are in free fall. They they have all kinds of trouble. Kyler does not look the same. Obviously, it hurts really bad not to have Nuke uh, without Nuke Hopkins. Like, what does that offense do? Great just rely on Kyler to bail them out. Um, you know, it's it's almost like uh, with Mahomes where they rely, you ha- relied so heavily on Mahomes to, to do so many things. Well, Mahomes ha- at least has elite weapons and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and, you know, great play caller and Andy Reid and all that kind of stuff. Kyler Murray has a bum ankle right now and is running around for his life and, like you said, running into sacks, not making good reads with the football that's tough, and yeah, okay. So they get to the playoffs. What are they? What are they really going to do in the playoffs? Um, what are, and what are they going to do if their defense can't keep keep this up? For instance, like against the Colts, they only allowed twenty two. But when you give away games like to the Lions, where you lose thirty to 10, 30 to twelve, or whatever it is, like mm-hmm. you're you're just you're giving away wins, and yeah, you're going to make the playoffs. But 
it that's not the feeling you want to have limping into the playoffs. That it shows that they're not really playoff ready. Like they're they're a young team. They could have been in the playoffs last year and limped into the the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I it's 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 weird. To, like Cliff Kingsbury, I think is zero and six in playoff clinching games. He had wow. opportunities last season to do that, and the Cardinals pissed the bed towards the end. And now it's happening now, and they are in the playoffs now. So who knows what you know mentality they have now of whether or not they want to compete with the Rams for the division, or they're just like fuck it at this point. Let's just get in the playoffs. But I do think they need to show a good outing against Dallas or Seattle in these last two games to show that they're ready to make a run. That So with the Cardinals, so we're going to see – okay, so they're not better than the Niners. Cardinals? They're not. I don't think so. Um, with Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I should I should preface that. You know I, – I would take the Niners to beat the Cardinals. Right now, I would. Yeah, I mean the way the Cardinals are playing right now, and for instance, say Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy to play. Yeah, I, I would say this. You're probably right. If the if a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo is playing against the Arizona Cardinals team right now without mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, I do like the Niners in that situation. Yep. But I don't think we're gonna get that because I don't think the Cardinals are winning the division right now, and you can't have two wild card teams play each other. Nope, you cannot. So, so clearly the Rams. I don't think we're getting that matchup. The Rams are the cream of the crop in that division. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the Rams here, but I, th- I think the Rams are beginning of a golden opportunity now where they can go as far as the two seed. Um, what do you think it says about the Colts that they go into Arizona, the giant toaster, and then go win a game <laughs> like that? I, I think that's a pretty damn big statement. Well, that's why I said I think they're the second best team in the AFC right now. And if, you know, with Carson Wentz at quarterback, I, I do think they're the second best team in the AFC. Interesting how the, much that has changed in the AFC. Yeah. But just talk about uh, the Rams real quick. Um, they've won four in a row. They've looked good defensively the last couple weeks. But as mm-hmm. far as the quarterback position, I'm not so sure about Matthew Stafford. Um, <coughs> excuse me real quick. Um, Matthew Stafford, and, you know, he throws three picks. I get it. You know, like he he didn't look great. He did dumb things. He had a bad pick against Seattle too. You're gonna but, have games like that as a quarterback. yeah. You, you, you're gonna have games like that. Like he's also missing uh, uh, Andrew Whitworth uh, as his left tackle. He was getting pressured a little bit. He was a little uncomfortable, so he's making quick throws. I don't get. I don't understand him throwing deep in double coverage a lot and those getting intercepted. He just throwing like a fifty fifty ball for Vance Jefferson or Odell Beckham. He relies on Cooper Cup to bail mm-hmm. him out a lot. But I do think that Matthew Stafford is having a Brett Favre-like season that Brett Favre won MVPs all the time for. He's got 35 or 36 touchdown passes, 13 picks. You go back and look at Brett Favre's numbers, that's basically how he won MVP in the 90s. So all this sentiment that Matthew Stafford is no better than Jared Goff is bullshit to me. Matthew Stafford is leaps and bounds better than Jared Goff. I just think that he's... He's learning a new offense. He's getting acclimated to Sean McVay, and he's getting acclimated to life without Robert Woods and learning how to throw to Odell Beckham. It's going to take time. But throwing three interceptions against a good defense like the Minnesota Vikings doesn't alarm me. I just think you have to think about whether or not Matthew Stafford is going to be ready to play against other prime quarterbacks in the NFC playoffs. I think the thing with Matthew Stafford is, look, we've never seen him like play meaningful football this far in in the year. And obviously they'll be in the playoffs and uh, 
you know, hope, hopefully they have a home field advantage when they play in LA, things like that. But um, like, yeah, he throws the three interceptions. It's going to happen. He's still getting used to Odell. The Odell thing's so interesting because he's such an elite talent, but like, it's just, it, it's just not plug and play. Like I know how good he is, but he's not, he's not a, he, he's not in that like Antonio Brown caliber where you can ask Antonio Brown just to do like, Hey, I just want you to do these five things and you're the best at this, that there's ever been kind of thing. Yeah. And, and you're going to go do it. Odell Beckham jr. Is a, is a game breaker kind of guy. And it takes time to develop that chemistry. I think the thing with Matthew Stafford about that Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford thing, and it's a load of crap. That is, is such bullshit when people are like, Oh yeah, well it's not really that big of a difference. You know, Jared Goff took him to Super Bowl, and it's like, okay, look, <laughs> Jared Goff uh, can't really. Okay, I know they got to win against the Cardinals, um, but they, he can't really win in Detroit, and that's a train yeah. wreck over there. Matthew Stafford could at least win some games when he was in Detroit. That's why everybody has always said, "Damn, Matthew Stafford's a stud out of Georgia. Guy knows how to play quarterback." And if he just could go to a team or get a team around him who could help him, he would be all world. And like you're saying, he's proving it. There's no reason that he shouldn't be an MVP pick this season. I'd vote for him. I mean, I I think he's right there with Rodgers and Brady. With Rodgers and Brady, right? So he single-handedly elevated that Rams team to like, damn, they have a really good play caller in Sean McVay and – their defense, you know, can really do some things to mess you up with like guys like Aaron Donald and stuff like that. But he's taken them to where it's like, now we have to worry about the quarterback position. They didn't no one had to worry about the quarterback position when Jared Goff was the quarterback there. No one was going, Oh man, Goff is gonna tear us up. You know, Goff, yeah. Goff it was always okay, he, if if he hits like a guy like Cook or um, you know, Cup or things like that, like if he hits some of those guys, those guys will make the difference. Goff's not going to be the guy to stand back there, get to his third read or whatever it is, or, or fit a throw into a tight window. Matthew Stafford can do all those Brett Favre-esque things that you were talking about. Real quick, something that I, I always think is so fascinating is what Sony Michelle has done. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, with the Rams. And, and for them to go from a guy like Gurley, who I just for those couple of years there was like, oh, my gosh, Todd Gurley, like this guy, he is good. And then to – kind of, you know, try to figure things out at running back, Cam Akers, guys like that. And then all of a sudden you have Sony Michelle, who is a first-round pick by the Patriots, who they're like, yeah, Bill Belichick's like, you know, I just kind of had to pick you because you were the best guy on the board kind of thing, and you're not really in my plans long-term. I'm going to try to get some value out of you. So then he goes to L.A., and, like, you know, Matt Stafford had the ability to throw interceptions, uh, three interceptions that game because Sony Michelle runs for 130 yards. Yeah. No, I and, think so, – so, sorry, finish your point. I was going to say, and he <laughs> – as a pass catcher, Sony Michelle can rip teams apart if he gets the opportunity. Right. I think Sony Michelle has pretty much saved their season because yeah. while they were going through that three-game skid, th- throwing nonstop and doing the pass-happy Bills offense was not working. So Sean McVay, and I commend Sean McVay for doing this because I told Steven this on the podcast, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep throwing every single goddamn play. And in that Jaguars game, he changed it up. He was like, we got to go back to running the football. And Sony Michelle has had, I, have, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he has had like 100 yards in pretty much every game that he's had the last couple of, of, of pretty much in their four-game win span, the last four games, he's, 
I've either had like a hundred yards or 120 yards. Like they were running the football very well. So and we saw this before. And then 92, the last week again, yeah. I'm looking at right now, 92 yeah. against Seahawks. Like, yeah. shit, you're getting 92 yards off 18 carries from your running back? Like, exactly. And you got Matthew and, Stafford at quarterback? <laughs> yeah, and the threat of the pass is there. So I think they're lethal going forward. Um, it does suck that uh, Daryl Henderson uh, did, what was it, an MCL sprain or what, what, whatever was he did. MCL or UCL, something like something that. Something like One that. of those. He's out the next three to five weeks. He'll be probably back for the playoffs. That offense runs literally through Sony Michelle, so I think they'll be okay. But good God, have you ever seen someone tear their Achilles in training camp and then be activated by December? I've no, no. The, that, I don't even know how you recover from that because a the Achilles tendon is like one of the strongest in the body. Like think about all the weight it has to support, and then yeah. for you to go through the entire rehab process and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. That's incredible. Oh. Clay Thompson got to be like, what, what the fuck is this guy eating? Like yeah. when I got milk. that, when I got that notification that Cam Akers is coming off IR and is going to be active or at least off, you know, the IR list, uh, available, I like, available. <laughs> I was like, no way. That's incredible. Yeah. So given Daryl Henderson's injury, you know, it may be too soon. I don't know what you want to do here if you're Sean McVay, but you got a You got the best running back on the roster ready to go now. Yeah. And, and and you have your number two guy, who's your number one guy right now. Yeah, just playing playing all world lights out. But, the, but that brings like now they have the add dimension now where they yep. can ground and pound with Sony Michelle, and they can throw passes to Cam Akers if need be. So despite the fact that Sam or uh, Matthew Stafford threw three interceptions, I think the Rams are in a good position because, like you said, there's going to be games like that. Tom Brady threw three picks in the NFC Championship game NFC. and still won. Yep. So. I think the Rams are the most talented football and I don't know if they're going to, you know, ha- I don't know if they're going to, you know, gather together and go for a Super Bowl run, but I think they're right there with the Packers. It, the, the NFC is really interesting right now because the Dallas Cowboys kicked the crap out of Washington on Sunday. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I do like the way the Rams are look going forward, but let's talk about some of the other games uh, from week 16. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. After the Bills lost that game to the Patriots, um, I wasn't a huge fan of the way Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde reacted. Like, oh, you're going to, you know, the media is after us now. Uh." And I didn't like the phrasing of the guy saying that they're going to get embarrassed. And then they come back and then they get shit stomped by the Buccaneers for the first half, losing 24 to nothing. And then they managed to come back in that game. Yep, making a game. Exactly. And I told Steven then, I would be surprised if the bills don't make a run here because they showed some fight there and if they can rattle off some wins here and get revenge back on the patriots they're back in the driver's seat for the afc east and they are right now they beat the carolina panthers who they were supposed to beat and they have their best win of the season getting revenge back on the new england patriots they force mac jones to throw even though damian harris did run all over them for three touchdowns it showed that when the weather is fine to throw the Bills will end up scoring 33 points despite the fact they were missing Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis. So I thought the Bills' revenge game and Micah Hyde, who was angry with that, you know, the, the post-game presser against New England a couple weeks ago, gets two interceptions off of Mac Jones. I thought it was a huge statement for the Buffalo Bills to win that game in New England. It was, and, and real quick, the Bills really gave their guy, uh, Cole Beasley, some really nice cover by winning that game. could you imagine if they lose that game by like a possession and uh, to the Patriots and it's like, well, Cole Beasley was out because 
uh, COVID. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so luckily we don't have to deal with that. And there, Cole Beasley is probably buying all those guys Rolexes. Like, hey, thank you very much. I don't look like a total dill hole here. But uh, <laughs> to, to bring a 70s show. To, yeah. But, um, yeah, though, the Bills are totally in control. Like you said, when the weather's good and, and when things are clicking the right way, Josh Allen, he can make all the throws. I mean, they're, they are better than the Patriots. Look, the Patriots have the ace in the hole, which is they have Bill Belichick. Yeah. And – only Bill Belichick can be like, we're just going to run the ball 45 times and beat you and then shut you down what you do. And they force Mac Jones to throw. And they're, they're, the Bills are able to do things when they're clicking that other teams can't do. They, look, their quarterback play is so elite. They have out of the young quarterbacks, uh, let's take Mahomes out of it because he's he's so amazing. But like out of the guys like uh, uh, Allen or Burrow or Lamar Jackson and you know name a few others – but Allen's the best. Allen has proven that he can do the most. Maybe he doesn't have the MVP hardware that a guy like Lamar Jackson has, but he can win you games through the air, and he's tough as nails. So, like, the Bills, I don't have their last couple remaining games in front of me, but they have they to play, play the Dolphins and then the Patriots, right? No, they play no, the sorry. Falcons next Falcons. week. And then they end the season against the Jets. The Jets. So okay. So I was thinking up. of the uh, Patriots schedule. Yeah. They have to they have to play the Dolphins in the last week. But yeah, they're set up against that. That's a home game against the Falcons, and then they get home against the Jets. So like so you get so by week and yeah. So they're in the driver's seat to get the, the AFC East. Yeah, they are, and the Patriots are going to make it. Um, yeah. So will. yeah. So it'll, you'll have the Bills and the Patriots. Um, I think they could the probably play would, a third time in the playoffs, and we'll see if that happens. I, I was looking at some of the, like the scenarios yeah. and that does look like that is pretty likely. Like that could happen if things go the right way. Um, the interesting thing about the bills is they never really had a, oh, what's the way to put it? They never really had a point in the season where it was just like, Oh they man. Run the ball? Yeah. Well, they never had a point in the season where like just the wheels fell off. Like they had that one really bad loss to the Colts. And then it was just like, well, okay, the next week they beat the Saints 31 to 6 kind of thing. And it's like, yeah. okay, then we lose to the Patriots 14-10 and we lose a tough one to the Bucks, but then, you know, we beat up on the Panthers and then beat up on on the Patriots. I would say the wheels kind of fell off against the Patriots when they lost that game a little bit. The, the 14 to 10 game at the yeah. start of the yeah. Yeah, just because that was demoralizing. They were, yeah, they, they were they were going back and forth every week with trading a loss for a victory. Yep, and they they didn't look like the same team a year ago that was dominant. That um, Jaguars game was bad. I forgot yeah, about the, that. The one. Jaguars game was bad. Uh, the Colts game was bad. The Patriots game was bad. But I do think that even though that they're not the same team as last year, I think they're in a better position because they're playing better defense. They are so. I do think that they'll win the division. They'll probably finish third or fourth, whatever the scenario is. But I, I do like the Buffalo Bills going forward. But if I had to rank the AFC teams right now, I'd still say Chiefs, Colts, whatever happens with Carson Wentz, Bills, Patriots, and we'll see what goes from there. And then there's this other team in the AFC that's making a run for things in the AFC North, and that's the tightest that division's been. I think this is the tightest division race I've seen in quite some time. But Joe Burrow goes off. For 525 yards, yeah. throws four touchdown passes, and usually when you get to the 500 mark, throwing in a game, you are losing the game. Mm-hmm. But they were they were dominating most of that game. They 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 went 41 to 21. I think that was the final score. They scored 41 points in two games against the Baltimore Ravens this season, 
after Wink Martindale talked shit about Joe Burrow. Um, that, that's a credible performance. I, I, it's rare you see a quarterback throw for 500 yards and have a flawless game. Like Usually you're throwing picks. It's sloppy. Trying to get back into a game. Boomer Esiason, I threw for 500 yards. Usually the, the, the mark is 554 by Norm Van Brocklin. And yeah, I think yeah. I, I think they were trying to get that for Joe Burrow. And it's funny to me that Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh gets all upset about, you know, so the, the report this week is that John Harbaugh was upset that the Bengals were up by so much against the Ravens and yet they were still throwing. This is the same John Harbaugh that runs the score up against the Raiders throwing going for fake field goals in 2012. So don't give me that shit, John. Yeah, yeah, no. There's no he'll never win the argument of like, oh, that just wasn't classy. You know, running fake field goals and going for two and doing all that crap. Yeah. And then the same season, the same season we're in right now, he wants Lamar Jackson to run a play when the game is in hand to get their streak going of 100 yards rushing in every single game. And Vic Fangio is like, what the hell? Yeah. And no, Jim, no. Yeah, so so don't give me that shit. But I, John, uh, uh, Joe Burrow, an amazing performance. I think uh, that of all the teams in the AFC North, the Bengals have the most lethal offense. And if I had to say right now, I think they're the best team in that division and probably will, 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 will win that division. Do you think the Bengals have a chance against Kansas City? I don't. Here's the thing. Even though the Bengals, were they 9-6 and six right now? I think that's right. Yeah, 9-6. and six. So they play the Chiefs next week. And yep. then after that, I want to say they play the Cleveland Browns. And for whatever reason... That's right. Yeah. The Bengals swept the Steelers and the Ravens, and they cannot beat the Browns. I know. I want to be the least bit surprised that the Bengals lose these next two games, go 9-8, and eight, and still win the division. Well, yeah, that can happen. That that definitely can happen um, because the Steelers, uh, the other, the other teams the Steelers have that stupid tie on their record. Yeah. Um, one of the really and the Ravens have so many quarterback issues from oh, Lamar yeah. Jackson uh, being hurt to Tyler Huntley, who is a great backup quarterback for them because he does the same stuff that Lamar Jackson does. Yep. But he gets COVID or test or whatever COVID protocols, and Josh Johnson comes in and he actually has a pretty good game. This is two times this season <laughs> where Josh Johnson had to fill in for um, was it Mike White with the Jets? Yep, and Mike he had a White. great performance, and then he comes in and plays well, but. You know, you're not going to win a lot of games with Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson's like the emergency goalie on a hockey team. Like yeah. it's like okay, he can he can get some stuff done. I don't know if we're going to win the game. Driving the zamboni, and he's winning yeah. games. Yeah, he's a, he's a plumber part time, but then you know he's wearing a suit and tie <laughs> most of the time, and then he has to put the pads on. One of the interesting things about Joe Burrow because I watched the highlights and I, I watched the um, I did I turned that game off in the third quarter. Yeah, or I, I tuned out, but. Um, he threw like eleven passes that or nine of his passes were like more than ten yards, I want to say. And then he had he hit two deep bombs for forty five. So like going, I have his uh, stats in front of me. Going thirty seven for forty six, like completing eighty percent of your passes, five hundred and twenty five yards, no interceptions, as you said. But the fact that twelve or eleven of those passes were more than ten yards, like he wasn't dinking and dunking. Yeah, sure, he had a bunch of five to ten yard passes, but. When eleven of your passes are more than more than what a first down is worth, and two of them are just you know half the football field, like that is dangerous. And I'm very interested to see what they do against the Chiefs. Uh, one thing about the uh, Ravens game they just played, though, it just shows you how important it is to have a, a, a game changer quarterback or a guy who can be steady. Like if Lamar Jackson plays in that game, I'm not saying the Ravens are going to win, but I am saying they're not going to get blown out like that. Um, 
at the same time, like that shows you all the problems that the Ravens have had with their defense this year. Um, their secondary has been torn apart at critical times by uh, different quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow just like put it all on full display. Um, I don't remember a time in the pro football where a guy throws for 525 yards and doesn't throw at least a cheap interception, like yeah. something going off a guy's hands or whatever. Like if you look at his passing chart, the next gen stats, stat that, um, you'll see that he only had like three deep incompletions the whole game. And it's just like, can they keep doing that? And if they do, can the, like, can the chiefs keep up with them? It's almost the time where it's like, can the Chiefs keep up with the Bengals? Because that's going to be the reaction uh, coming off of this game. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll talk more about uh, the Week 16 games, but um, I want to bring something up, Alana. I don't know if you saw. I just been texted, and uh, I've been staying off social media while we were doing this live stream. Um, the timing of this couldn't be more eerie. Um, John Madden has passed away at the age of 85. What? Yeah. Um, and this is devastating. Uh, we both watched his documentary on Christmas Day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and I used a gif of him for the promotion of this uh, this show today. And, um, wow. Whew. Um what I was going to bring up his documentary, but let's let's talk about it now. Um, <sighs> yeah. yeah, the timing of this couldn't be more. Uh, God, incredible. Um, John Madden. We'll talk about the documentary, but just talking about the man. Wow, we were, we were, we were going to have this conversation anyway, but it's just so weird that um, he's he's passed away today. Um, so yeah. John Madden, uh, a pioneer in football, from coaching the Raiders to being a fantastic broadcaster um, and to, you know, the game Madden that everyone plays. He revolutionized football, and he's got such a figure, and, um, I, you know, most people watch the documentary on, uh, on Christmas and seeing what he's accomplished in his life. But, um, God, this is, uh, this is crazy. I, I can't believe we're getting this news right now. Yeah. Um, that's one of the rough parts of doing a live stream is, you know, like yeah. something like this comes across, but, uh, it's, we were just, you know, before we started and obviously we were going to get into the, uh, all Madden, which was thank God. So wonderful by Tom Rinaldi and, and Fox. But, uh, yeah, John Madden did a lot for the game of football, like um, coaching the Raiders, being the winningest head coach ever, for, uh, first to get to 100 wins faster than anybody else, uh, you know, on-field accomplishments, winning the Super Bowl. Um, but then, you know, after everybody knows what he did, you know, with the video games and the broadcasting and the Miller Lite commercials and all that, you know, fun stuff. But, you know, for him to pass away at 85 and just the weird timing of it. And um, that's definitely going to shake the football world because like John Madden's been around almost as long as the NFL post merger has been around, um, especially for our generation. And then people who are older than us, you know, we grew up with John Madden being uh, the color commentator 
with, you know, guys like Al Michaels or Pat Summerall or, or whoever it was and calling Super Bowls and doing all this stuff. But, um, yeah, that's insane. Like, I don't really – there's not really, like, a lot of words to to put to that. And we've lost some football people this year, and this is probably, you know, like the biggest – one of the biggest gut punches of all. Um, yeah. And – yeah, it's it's just tough. I I really do. I mean, I was hoping people went and watched that documentary to begin with, but I mean now, like, you know, just go on YouTube even if you don't have access to documentary and just look at some of the funny things that John Madden would say and some of like, you know, yeah, you, you have the baby bucket and the daddy bucket and the mama bucket, like on this all that stuff. Like he brought. It was awesome. Like listening to him broadcast the game, whether you knew football or not, um, is like listening to whoever the expert is at the bar who happens to be a Super Bowl winning coach tell you exactly what's happening in front of your eyes. Like, I don't know. We just people like that don't grow on trees. Um, There's not a lot of teachers. And he was a teacher. Like he taught people the game. Yeah, this is uh, this is hard. The uh, timing of this is just eerie given yeah. that we watched a, a documentary about him a couple of days ago. But I'm glad it came out before um, this happened because we usually don't honor people um, until they're dead. And, um, we had talked about that a little bit. Like, yeah. I'm, I, I don't like stuff like this because most of the time it doesn't happen until someone's already passed. Yeah. And luckily, like you said, it, he was alive to make it. Yeah. Um, John Madden you know, has gotten a lot of people to be interested in football and, um, you know, it's the power of video games. He was revolutionary in that when EA came to him and said, you know, we want to make a a video game with you. And they were like, we don't know if we're going to have 11 guys on the field. And he was like, stop right there where it's not real football (laughs) if you don't have 11 men on the field. So I'm not doing that unless it is. And he's turned, you know, the game is not, you know, NFL football, it's Madden. Mm-hmm. It's just Madden. And, oh, man. Um, did you ever go, uh, growing up in the Bay, uh, being in the Bay Area, did you ever get a chance to go over to his uh, house or anything in Golden Eagle over there in Pleasanton? I was at his studio. I had the chance uh, to film something with the first job I did in the Bay Area at Atomic Productions. We did it over at Madden Studios, but he was not there. My dream, uh, my dad and I talked about it all the time, um, we wanted to uh, go watch football with him one day. That would have been cool. That would have been cool because he has the whole setup. Yep. This, the, if you saw the documentary, he has a bunch of TVs. That's that's where he watches football. Yeah, it's, it's like the command center. It's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I used to go trick or treating in that neighborhood when I was a kid. Oh, really? Because I had uh, um, some good friends who lived over there, and the Maddens would always give out the biggest, uh, like king size candy bar, like the big Hershey, like. The big one, and that was always like a big highlight. It's like, okay, that's the last house on the route. We'll start at the top of the hill, walk down, and his house is right inside the gates, and you'd get the, the best candy going there. Yeah. Um, God, I've had uh, two encounters. I shouldn't say encounters, but uh, John Madden um, has not been the best of health for quite some time, so... Hearing this news is shocking, but it's not surprising. And, you know, our condolences to his whole family. His sons were in the documentary. His wife, who strong lady. Um, 
It's sad. Uh, I remember five or six years ago, um, our program director got some bad news about uh, he thought John Madden passed then and ran into the studio and told everybody, hey, John Madden has died. Um, get prepared. Get all the, you know, the contacts, you know, we're going on live talking about it. And thank God he wasn't dead. It was a bad story. He got some bad information and he was alive. Then fast forward to a couple years later, we're at the um, Steve Mariucci and uh, or John, John Madden's bocce ball tournament in, um, I want to say, God, where was that? Fremont. It was at Fremont. Oh, was that at, and, um, what's that bocce place called? I forget. Uh, yeah, but okay, in Fremont. Yeah. And I, uh, th- this is a bittersweet story to me because um, it was so cool being there. And I was honored to be there. And John Madden was there in a walker. And my father went up to him. He knows my dad pretty well. And he asked him, hey, Mr. Madden, would you be willing to come on the radio broadcast with us? And he said, absolutely. And John Madden took his time coming over in his walker. He's getting, he was getting up there in age, but he sat down and his mind was sharp. He was talking about the game today and what he likes about it, what he doesn't like about it. And it was awesome. And um, it's bittersweet because there's a photo of Bonte, my dad, and Madden sitting at the table together with smiles on their faces. And you could tell this is, you know, one of the highlights of Bonte's life. It's one of the highlights of my dad's life and Madden is just living his life. Yeah. And there's me in the background. Uh, and I, I saw Bonte just tweeted this photo out because Madden has passed away and God, I hate this photo. There's me in the back <laughs> looking at my phone, not even soaking in the moment because if I remember correctly, he gave a fantastic interview, but um, I was texting with, I think you and Tommy call because the interview was was like going in and out mm-hmm. because of the remote, the, the, the remote situation. And I was like frazzled being like, come on, guys, it's John Madden. And we got to get this sound on the air. And I, I always hate that photo because uh, I love seeing Matt in there. But like it's just me just not realizing, you know, I'm I'm there with John Madden. Like this guy taught me everything about football. Like I was playing Madden video games before I even got really into football. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just weird, man. Uh, I really don't know how to react to this because um, I wanted to talk about him today, but now we're, we're, we're – um, I can't even say Eulogi- the words. Eulogizing you, him. You, yeah, you, you, I can't even say it. Uh, um, but, yeah, uh, God, I can't, can't believe today this happened. Um, there is a statement that the, uh, that the Raiders put out if you don't – Okay, I, yeah, I, yeah, go for it. I figured I'd read it. Um. So, you know, the, the Raiders family is uh, deeply saddened by the passing of the legendary John Madden. Um, few individuals meant as much to the growth and popularity of professional football as Coach Madden, whose impact on the game, both in on and off the field, was immeasurable. <clears throat> Hired as head coach of the Raiders by Al Davis at the age of 32, uh, Madden coached the Silver and Black for 10 seasons, compiled a remarkable 103-32-7 and seven win-loss tie record uh, in the regular season. From 1969 to 1978, the Raiders posted winning records in each season, won seven division titles, qualified for the playoffs eight times. I mean, that's incredible. In 1976, Madden coached the Raiders to a 13-1 record, 
and the 32-14 to triumph over the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl XI, marking the franchise's first world championship of professional football. Um, as professional football grew in popularity and influence, Madden and his silver and black teams played a significant role in some of the AFL and NFL seminal moments, including the Sea of Hands, Immaculate Reception, Holy Roller, Ghost of the Post, among others. Madden cemented his role as a football icon in the broadcast booth, serving as a leading color analyst for all major f- for all four major television networks, CBS, Fox, ABC, and NBC. His work on Monday Night Football, the inception of the annual All-Madden team, and his role in the Madden NFL series of video games made Madden's name synonymous with pro football. In 2006, Madden was presented for enshrinement to the Football Hall of Fame by Al Davis, who opened his speech by calling Madden a brilliant coach, a loyal and trusted friend, a Raider. The thoughts and prayers of Raider Nation are with Virginia, Joseph, Michael, and in the and the entire Madden family at this time. Like, that's just, I can't put yeah. it any better than that. It's, yeah. it is sad. But he was a, he was a Titan, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll say, you know, uh, the term is used, uh, walking on the, uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. He's one mm-hmm. of those giants that, not just people, you know, NFL, but I'm sure everybody who knew him felt the same way. But uh, yeah, keeping it with sports and the NFL and football as a whole, he's one of those titans, one of those giants that, you know, built pillars to to get to where we are now. Yeah, and just watching that documentary, you know, um, I knew a lot about John Madden, but just reliving all this stuff and hearing him talk, you know. He didn't sound the best. Something else, something going on with his voice, but um, he still he still sounded sharp, and um, yeah, the documentary was was great. Tom Rinaldi uh, directed it, and it didn't focus a lot about his coaching days, but it was about him more of a broadcaster and how he revolutionized uh, you know teaching kids about football through the video game, and he. It was funny, like, you know, him, I, the, the, the part where he goes to Fox, um, I don't know if you got that far in the documentary, Elon. But, I, I, I did. Okay. And he made, they, they talk about the documentary, but he made Fox on, uh, NFL on Fox legitimate because of him. Yeah. Like, if, if they didn't have him, I don't know if Fox is doing sports like it is today. Because we John might, we Madden might be looking at CBS and like NBC or something. Exactly. John Madden was able to make that station legitimate. And because he signed, then Pat Summerall came over and all these other people, Howie Long, Terry Bradshaw, it made and the NFL on Fox what it is today. And at the time he signed a thirty two million dollar contract four years, $32 million contract to do TV. Now, you know, Tony Romo makes $17 million a year. So it's just, it's, you know, um, God, I am at a loss for words. I did not expect this to happen today. I wanted to talk about the documentary and him as a person, and we still could do that, but um, God, John Madden passes away at the age of 85. Rest in peace, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, rest in peace. I mean, that guy, you know, like just like anybody listening right now or anybody uh, watching, just probably can hear his voice in their head just through the broadcast. Boom! Like they can just, yeah, they can hear him explaining something. They can hear him, 
you know, making a joke to one of his broadcast partners or whatever the case is. And that um, Tom Rinaldi, I want to give him big props. He did, he did a, uh, a phenomenal job. Uh, it didn't, like you said, didn't go over as much. Obviously I wanted a little more coaching stuff, but mm-hmm. um, it, uh, it was awesome. It was super respectful. It was laudatory. It, um, it just was the real John Madden. And that's like the definitive, you know, that we'll always have that to look at too. And just be like, you know, Hey, this is the definitive, you know, life of John Madden post football kind of thing. And yeah, to hear this news is just, I don't know. It's going to shake. It's, it's going to shake the entire sports world, but it's, it's really going to shake the NFL. Oh, 100%. There will, there will be tributes to him this weekend, especially for the Raiders. Um, but he, you know, you think about the Niners. He did every big NFC Championship game. Yeah, think about all the Niner big Niner games he had called. I mean, you think of any t- if you're a fan of any team in the NFL, you probably remember a moment with John Madden calling your game. Yeah, like I, I remember watching the Super Bowl thirty six or th- Super Bowl thirty seven, Super thirty seven with the Raiders and Buccaneers. That is, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, two thousand two. I remember Madden sounding a little pissed during the game because the Raiders were getting their ass kicked. Yep. Um, and, and he was loyal to a team, man. Like his Hall of Fame induction ceremony, the guy that got on the job, Al Davis, in, is in, inducting him. So, oh, man. This, uh, I'll always remember him call that um, December 22nd game at the Coliseum with uh, – because he called that, that Brett Favre game. Yep, when, he did. When, Brett's dad passed away. And it was kind of like both things meeting together. Like he loved Brett Favre and, you know, <laughs> yeah. you think about him with the Raiders as a head coach and mm-hmm. them coming together was such a big, big moment. Um, and they mentioned damn. that in the documentary, Brett, Brett yeah. does that, you know, like, and so does Lawrence Taylor and a few other guys, but they like Madden, you know, made them a better player, made them. Yeah. Made them oh, a yeah. better player. From Turduckins being a big thing to the <laughs> all Madden team. <laughs> Man, if if anyone hasn't seen the All Madden documentary, watch it now. Um, if you can, it's going to be uh, available on streaming. I think in a week, like on a th- lot of different platforms. Given, but given his now. given his <laughs> given his death now, I wouldn't I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it's available by tomorrow. Um, if you have Fubo, you can go and watch it right now. Just type in All Madden and okay. apply. But yeah, um, damn. Um, whew. Rest in peace, John Madden. I really wish. One of my biggest regrets in life will always be that picture of me just staring at that phone and not really enjoying the moment. So well, you're, you were trying to bring the, I'm not blowing smoke. You were trying to bring the magic of John Madden to everybody who was listening. I mean, that's what yeah, it was. I know, I know, but sometimes you get wrapped up in other Work. shit that you, and you don't see what's important in front of you. So, um, damn RIP, uh, RIP John Madden. I can't say it enough. Uh, he's had a huge impact on my life and everybody else's life that loves football. So, couldn't put it any better. Well, let's uh, let's try to finish up the rest of the podcast. Um, but damn, that God, that threw me through a loop. Um, Real quick, bef- yeah. before we uh, get off this part, what was your favorite part of the documentary? Him, you know, you know what? Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I wrote this quote down, and I think it's, I think it's very fitting. If I can get my phone open. Bill Belichick read this quote. When you as a coach win, you're a genius. But when you look at it, 
You're a guy that was a PE major in college. Your best class was recess, and then you become a coach. You go from being good at recess to being a genius. John Madden said that during a game, and Bill Belichick <laughs> brought that up, and he was like, that's 100% right. That's an amazing so, quote. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I'll take away from the documentary, and that's, that's an amazing quote that, uh, God, man, I, still, I can't believe he's passed. God. I think uh, I think my favorite part, or maybe tidbit of the uh, the documentary was when he had said, "You know, I don't know if I want to go into broadcasting. And maybe I'll wait a few years and then I'll be ready." And when he said, "No, when if you wait a few years and you don't go for it, it could be gone," and basically his attitude was like, "Just go for it. Take risks. Like do do big things, kind of deal." And I I always love that message because I think it's a message that's good for anybody no matter what age they are yeah i can't say it enough rest in peace to john madden um let's just finish up the show we'll we'll you know remember him with a good moment of silence at the end but uh just finishing up the week that was um in the nfl week 16 buccaneers uh take care of business they win the nfc south uh beat the panthers i don't know what's going on with the panthers doing that weird quarterback system with sam darnold playing some snaps and Cam Newton playing some snaps. But in the end, the Bucks win. Antonio Brown has a great game. Whatever happened with the Vax card, I don't know. He gets <laughs> my jacket. Fault. Yeah, it's his media's <laughs> fault. His 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 reaction to the postgame presser gets my jackass of the week vote. Um for him to be like, the media's always after me. Dude, they're not always after you. You put yourself in these stupid positions whether you're accused of terrible things or throwing a couch out of your fucking house. Or uh, the stuff you did with the Raiders, the stuff you did with the Steelers, and if this if this Vax card shit is true, then that's terrible. That's just awful. Yeah. So um, you could put the blame on you, but in the end, uh, whatever, Antonio Brown, you're a great football player, but whatever. No one likes a liar. I mean, that's exactly. that's really what it is. And no one likes people, you know, the boy who cried wolf. And and for Antonio Brown to be like, well, you know, you guys are always, it's like. What about all the things that you've done, man, and all the positions that, like you said, put, put people in and put teams in? Um, that being said, about the Panthers, so the Buccaneers, I mean, it's not much of a story. We're all expecting the Buccaneers to win and go to the playoffs. But um, the Panthers with that quarterback thing, and I remember listening to you and Stephen talking, I'm big, you know, Kyle's cousin Kyle, <laughs> yeah. which I, I yeah. st- that, that was funny when you said that. But uh, the Cam Newton thing, like, is that really just let's put butts in the seats, let's try to sell oh, some Cam 100%. Newton tickets? Kind of 100%. If I was Sam Darren, I'll be pissed off about that. Like you're the guy that traded for me. You're going to get the former head, the former quarterback of this team yeah. to put asses in the seats. I think I think they soured <laughs> on Sam Darnold. I don't know what they're going to do with Matt Rule, but yeah, the Panthers are a mess. But the Buccaneers, despite their injuries, they kind of went like this, you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. Then... Started three and zero, and then just you know rock slide. But um, we'll see. I, I don't know about the Bucks this season. They got so many injuries. Uh, Mike Evans now is in COVID protocols. Uh, you know, Godwin's out for the season. So uh, we'll see if they're the same team from a year ago. Um, Kansas City destroys the Steelers. Um, I, I, I think Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Kansas City's back. They win the AFC West again. And um, despite Travis Kelsey not playing, or yeah, despite Travis Kelsey not playing, and Tyreek Hill getting bottled up, uh, Casey gets the win. And. I don't know what the Steelers are doing kicking a field goal because they don't want to get shut out. 
I don't know why Ben Roethlisberger is playing so late in a blowout like that. Like, good Lord, get him off the field. See what you got with Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph. Mason. But, um, yeah. yeah, man. Um, that sorry, was sad man. to watch. That was sad. It was hard to watch Ben Roethlisberger, and it's been tough the whole season to try to see him try to do the things that he used to be able to do. Yeah. He just can't do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the Chiefs are back. You know, they got the offense going again, and the defense, this is the best they've looked in quite some time. So they will kind of look like the team that they were a couple years ago, 2019, winning the Super Bowl, where the offense was lethal and the defense was just as good. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think their defense might be a little bit better. I It might be. from where they were. Or at the least season, it's playing better. Yeah. From where they were at the beginning of the season, giving up, you know, 40 and 30-point games, now they're just holding teams to single digits. It's It's remarkable. And then to end things up, the Cowboys destroy the uh, the Washington football team, clinch the NFC East, putting up 56 points. Uh, you know, Cowboys look great. Um, defense looks great. Uh, this is the best Cowboys team they've had in quite some time. So I don't know if they're, they're the second-best team in the NFC right now. They may finish second next to Green Bay, but we'll see what happens with uh, with Dallas there. But uh, real quick, uh, you're, an Alabama, you're an Alabama guy. What did you think of uh, Jerron Payne and uh, Jonathan Allen going after each other? I thought it was like two brothers fighting. Yeah. I mean, those guys have gone to war together and, uh, you know, on the football field. I think it's tough. Um, you just get mollywopped like that by Dallas, divisional rival. And uh, I don't know. Like, I think some people probably want to make a pretty big deal about it um, in terms of like, oh, look how dysfunctional everything is over there. and I just think at the end of the day, like you're getting beat like that. And you got two big defensive linemen who, you know, come from the same program and play together. And, you know, it seems like for a while Redskins, uh, excuse me, the Washington football team had it a happens. whole bunch of, yeah, it, does, it still does. They had a whole bunch of people on that team on the defensive side from Alabama. Um, so, you know, it was, it just got caught on camera kind of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, I was going to ask you this. So I'm glad we got into these two games last. Which one was worse, uh, the loss-wise? Like, what, just fr- in a vacuum, like the Chiefs beating the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers so thoroughly that the broadcast switches to the Raiders taking knees or, <laughs> yeah, taking a kneel down or yeah. the uh, on, in prime time, the Cowboys just annihilating Washington? Um, They're both probably, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Probably equal parts bad, but like if you're Washington, you don't want to get beat up by your division opponent like that and your hated division opponent like that. Um, I'd probably say Washington because it was fifty six to fourteen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, both both were bad. Both were bad. And the Steelers no. still make still might make the playoffs. The Washington. I know. Out, though. Yeah, Washington's out, and Washington been you know kind of playing for their lives for a little while, and every yeah. game was important, and, and now their last two games won't won't be very important. Yeah. Um. Let's switch gears real quick, Alon, while I got yeah. you. Um, sure. We'll, we're, we'll do uh, one show this week, um, given, you know, I got uh, busyness with uh, work the rest of the week. So yep. this will be our alone show this week. But um, oh, good. I'm glad I got you. Uh, you're a big college football guy. You're obviously uh, Alabama alum. So what do you think about the college football playoffs? Which I don't understand why the hell these games are taking place on, on New Year's Eve during the day. A twelve thirty kickoff. I got to work, so that game will be on the background for Alabama and Cincinnati. But why? Why can't these games be on on a Saturday afternoon? I, I don't get it. 
as long as on New Year's Day when people are hungover watching football. As long as the college, yeah, when people are hungover at home eating their eggs or you know whatever your your recovery (laughs) meal is. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I don't get it. As long as the CFP has been around, um, I have my gripes with the CFP. One of them, I think it devalues the bowl games, and you do kind of see that with teams just so readily pulling out right now, even because of COVID. but uh, yeah, like to have these games on New Year's Eve when you're usually with your family or significant other or whoever, whatever you're doing, you know, you're usually it's not like, oh, this is the biggest sports day of the year, you know, so it's stupid. It just shows you that some of these people who run this stuff don't know what the hell they're doing. And not that I could run it any better, but I sure as hell wouldn't put the games on New Year's Eve. Like, who's going to be able to watch this? Um, unless you're an alum or you're making time, it's going to be an appointment. You're going to have to clear things off to go watch. Like I know in the past when Alabama has been playing in the CFP on New Year's Eve, I've been like, tell my family, whoever I'm with, like, sorry, now I got to go, or I got to go do this. Cause I'm not going to miss this. Like, and this would be probably the one I could miss against Cincinnati, but, uh, yeah, like it's just, it's just bad. I don't, I don't know if it's a way for them to try to get ratings on New Year's Eve, which might, I, it's just that but to, people are out. Who's watching football on New Year's Eve? I, maybe it's, I, no, I don't know. I, I'm always trying to think of a reason why they do this. Maybe it's a way of trying to give more importance to the games than there already is. I honestly, Derek, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what, it's, what do you, why do you think they do it? Like, if I, you, I, I honestly don't know if I was a TV executive, I would not put these games on a Friday afternoon. Wouldn't you put it on the Saturday after yes, or like, or absolutely. Clear, clear a special slot? Like New Year's here's Day, another thing. New, New yeah. Year's Day all day, the, 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 two, the two playoff games. Here's another thing too. The fact that there's bowl games after the, uh, the fact that, that there's the, doesn't make yeah, sense to me. after the college football, after the most important bowl games. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's, those, it's those, a screw those, up. But, but your, your quick thoughts on the two matchups, Cincinnati against uh, your alma mater, uh, Alabama. So I think Cincinnati opened up as like a fourteen point dog. I don't I don't know how they I don't know how they stay in the game. If Alabama just plays you know seventy percent of to their potential, they'll beat Cincinnati. Alabama kills teams like this. They just you know take a team that could be good from a different conference and they just they just murder them. Like Miami at the start of the season, they just kill the Hurricanes. Like they just they're good at that. Um, they had the one slip up uh, the season at A and M in College Station, but yeah. Yeah, it's that's probably the worst. It's the worst matchup of the slate for sure. What do you think about uh, uh, Georgia and uh, Michigan? That game, I think, is going to be a phenomenal game, and that could go either way. I actually really like Michigan. I have a good buddy of mine who's a hardcore Michigan fan, and I told him all the season. I was like, "Dude, I think this is your year, guys. Like, I think this is your year to make it really deep and and for sure make the foot the playoff." And they did because they beat Ohio State and they got a little bit of help everywhere else, but. Uh, That'll be interesting. I, I would like to see, even though I'm an SEC guy, I would like to see a Big Ten team other than Ohio State win a big game. And that'd be interesting to watch. I If I had to pick, I don't know, Georgia has the better roster and they've been dominant defensively, but there's something about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan this year. They've yeah. been able to do things. And that Ohio State victory really like makes me think that they can get it done. I'm rooting for Michigan. Um, yeah. I don't want to see Alabama play Georgia again. We already saw it. I want to yeah, see. I, I would love to see Saban go up against Harbaugh. Um, I I do think Georgia will beat them, but that 
it it could go either way. But uh, you know, if if it is Alabama and Michigan, do you? I mean, you like the Alabama? You like Alabama's chances again, right? Uh, yeah. That being said, um, from a gambling perspective or something like that, I'm yeah. very tempted to bet on Michigan. Um, Ooh. I just think Michigan has it. I just think Michigan that would be like a money line play if if the odds were uh, you know okay in my favor uh, in terms of being juicy. But like, yeah, I just think Michigan has something this year, and Alabama is going through a rebuild. I know they have Bryce Young as a Heisman winning quarterback, and you know good weapons and everything, but it's just something about Michigan. I can't put my finger on it, but they yeah. uh, they have they have some they have some good cooking right now. But uh, they do. That being said, Alabama versus Michigan. If you're the college football playoff committee and you're the networks, you're just oh, you're, you're, you're getting yeah. on your knees praying for that to happen. Oh yeah, Got those it. ratings will be huge. Yeah, that would be huge. That that's what I'm rooting for, but I don't know if we'll get that. I think Georgia I, just being an SEC team may beat Michigan. Do you think Jim Harbaugh lets his team lose to Georgia? I don't think. I think he tries to do every. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. he will, well, but yeah. like, I just, I mean, it, I, yeah, it could be like Ohio State beating Clemson last yeah. year. It could be. So I, th- I think it's interesting. But uh, that being said, one thing I re- I feel bad for Cincinnati. Uh, one thing the CFP does and that the BCS era d- uh, didn't or that did do was um, the BCS really valued undefeated seasons, um, even from non-power five. Although you did see Boise kind of get screwed out of maybe playing for a national championship a few times. That being said, like Cincinnati has a perfect season. They play everybody in front of them. They win. And they're the fourth seed. Like that yeah. sucks. You go perfect, and you know you're, you're the you're the bottom dog. <laughs> you're yeah. the bottom ranked one. That was always going to happen, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Just just given on Cincinnati's strength of schedule and everything, but um, hopefully they make it a game. Not for your sake. I know you. I didn't want Alabama to kill them. But... I don't want it to be a game at all. No, <laughs> yeah. no way. Please, uh, real real quick here before we start making some picks for the NFL week uh, coming up, Week 17, um, Warriors. Fantastic yeah. victory against the Phoenix Suns on Christmas Day. You and I were texting about it. The Warriors, uh, it's a statement win for them to go into Phoenix and beat them at full strength. And the Warriors missing a lot of guys due to COVID. And, of course, not having Clay Thompson and not having James Wiseman. Things can only get better for the Warriors from here. Yeah, things can only get better. And we were texting back and forth. Like, Kind of the feeling is like this is maybe the best the Suns can be. And the Warriors yeah. are like just just scratching the surface. It feels like, and I kind of wonder who'll make the bigger impact first when they come back, whether it's Wiseman or Clay Thompson. I, and part of me thinks Wiseman just because he has that rebounding ability and a few different things, but you know, Thompson's an offensive machine and can play yeah. defense. Yeah. Um, that was a hell of a win. And I, Otto I Porter the, Jr. getting in for him in the end. Yeah, Otto Porter Jr. And then looking, you saw that shot of him looking back at the, yeah. at the Phoenix Suns bench. Yeah. Um that was that was awesome to see. It was all it's also really cool to see that like Stephen Curry's kind of had detractors his whole career from the media or fans like, oh, you know, he's just a point guard or he's not big enough. All he does is shoot threes. It's like, well, guess what? The guy's pretty damn good at doing what he does. <laughs> and he's taken on the primary and secondary scoring roles on that team. And they wanted to win that game because they had lost to Phoenix a few weeks back. So yeah, they, I, I think they were just like, We win on we win on Christmas Day. We're gonna win. One, yeah, one hundred percent. Well, uh, Alon, um, you're filling in this week, so you get the chance to go up against me and some football picks. Ooh. And for those that were counting last week, uh, Steven didn't own up to his bet, but me and him tied last week. And it's a pain in the ass to get a hold of Steven for a text message to do a tiebreaker. So I'm just going to give him the victory. We're all even up. Wow. Steven, 
doesn't have to do the thing anymore. He did a double or nothing. He tied Very me. Classy. Yeah, I'm a classy guy. I'm I'm giving today. Um, <laughs> it's so, Festivus. Yeah, it's Festivus. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a new year. It's it's a new <laughs> it's it's a new Dairy P. So uh, let's let's do this edition of wins or wangs. Who will come out on top, and who will spend the next day on the pod? It's time for wins or wangs. And Alon. Since this is your one-off, uh, yeah. we may have to we may have to have you come back and do the punishment if you lose this week. But let's let's pick some games here for Week 17 in the NFL. And Week 17 usually means the end of the season, Alon, but not this case. We got one more week of football, so these games are going to be juicy given playoff scenarios. But let's start things off with Philadelphia, who is currently the seventh seed of the NFC, going to Washington to take on the football team. Who you got, Alon? I like the Eagles on the road to cover. Three Ooh. and a half. Who do you like to win, though? I like... Give me your Vegas win. stuff, which I can't do, but give, yeah. give, give me your Vegas stuff and uh, your picks. I think the Eagles went out right. Okay. I actually don't think they're going to win. I, I, for, you know, I think the Eagles are a good football team. I don't think they're a playoff team. They just played Washington a couple weeks ago, and usually when you play somebody in that short of time... The other team gets an advantage, figures out what they did wrong the last time. I'm taking the football team. Okay. All right. Buccaneers at the Jets. Mm. Oh, we're yeah. probably both yeah, yeah on the same side here. Buccaneers, Jets, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Buccaneers. <laughs> Throw a fast one at me there. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, Buccaneers. okay. Buccaneers. <laughs> uh, the hot Miami Dolphins going to Tennessee. Out of the Dolphins' last two games – I'd say that's the one they're more likely to win. Really? Maybe. I don't know. You know what? Because they play the Patriots so well in, in Miami. So, yeah. You know what? I will uh, – let's see. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins are so hot. You so know what? Right the, now. Like the Dolphins are going to win. The Dolphins are going to win that game. All right. Okay. Yeah. I don't think so. I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans there. Short week for the old uh, Miami team. It is a short week for Miami. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think the, maybe the Titans are due to lose one because I kind of think they should have lost to the Niners. And a long week for the Titans playing last yep. Thursday. So I think it goes in the Titans' advantage. Jaguars at the Patriots. Pats. Yeah, Pats. Uh, Rams at the Ravens. We don't know what's going on with the Ravens quarterback situation, but I don't think it matters. I'm taking the Rams. I don't think it matters either. I take, I take the Rams as well. All righty then. Taking uh, money line two or whatever uh, bet you uh, got there. The, Ra- the Rams are favored by uh, three and a half. I mean, I don't know. It depends. It depends what shakes out. That could yeah. get a lot worse depending on who doesn't play for the Ravens. <laughs> I feel you. It's 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 hard to make a, a bet like that on a Tuesday. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Wednesday's the day. There you go. Wednesday is not not. Yeah, not, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday's the good day in Las Vegas because that's okay. when everything gets set. I got you. Uh, the game we've been talking about, Raiders at the Colts, uh, probably minus Carson Wentz. Who are you taking, Alon? I, I actually think the Colts uh, win this game. I do, too. Despite the fact that Sam Ellinger most likely will play, but given the new pro- COVID protocols, there may be a chance that Carson Wentz still plays. Yeah, the- so is, is there a way to, like, yeah, I can't conditionally do this. Uh, I'll tell you what. Sa- I'll tell you what. Let's let's both do this. If You know what? No, that's, that's taking the easy no. way out. It is. If, yeah, you know what? Um, if the Raiders win the game, and you know what? If the, you know what? Actually, I'm gonna change my pick. You know, what I, 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 yeah. You you take the Colts. Given everything with John Madden, 
Let's go Raiders. Yeah. Go. So I, yeah, I think, I do think Sam Ellinger is going to end up playing, not Wentz. Yeah. The Raiders are going to win. I'll still take the Colts then. Win it for Madden. Let's win it for Madden guys. I want the Raiders, full disclosure. I want the Raiders to win. So no, I know. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Um, Gi- uh, Giants at the bears. <sighs> bears. You to watch that game. No. The ba- Hey, the bears put up a good fight against Seattle. They did. So. They did. They did. Yeah, I guess I'll go with the Bears there. Yeah, I'll go with the Bears. I don't know. Is Jake Fromm playing quarterback for the Giants? Yeah. I mean, I, Nick Foles. I no if, it, if, it's, if it's Nick Foles again, then I like their chances. Uh, Falcons at the Bills. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take the Falcons in that game. To win? And I don't know, And I don't know why. That'll be my upset special. No, the Bills are going to win that game. <laughs> the, Bill, the Bills can't lose that game. Yeah, at no. the, Bill, the, at yeah. the Bills, yeah. No, no Bills, Bills are winning that game. Uh, the premier game in the early slots, uh, Chiefs at the Bengals. I like the Bengals, actually. Ooh. Yeah. I think the Chiefs are going to win that game. I'll take, I'll okay. take the Chiefs. Uh, then the late games, tie, uh, Texans at the 49ers. We don't know who's playing quarterback for the 49ers. Even if Trey – that's tough because the Texans just came off such a monstrous win against the Chargers. Yeah. That being said, like they're a pretty bad football team <laughs> roster-wise. Yeah. You got to go with the Niners. I'm taking the Niners as well. One of the few times I take the Niners on this podcast. Uh, Broncos at the Chargers. I think after the Chargers have had two really bad losses, they had a heartbreaker against the Chiefs, and they just get flat out just get their ass kicked with Rex Burkhead running all over them. Despite that they had COVID situations, I still think they should have beat the Texans, but they don't. They're reverting back to their old Charger ways, but I think they get the job done and beat the Denver Broncos. I, th- I think they beat the Broncos as well. I don't think, yep. it, it, and it doesn't matter who is playing quarterback for the Broncos. I just think they lose no matter yeah. what. Panthers at the Saints. Um, if everything is cleared up for the for the Saints with their COVID situations, I'll take the Saints. I'm going to take the Panthers because I don't think they're going to be all cleared up. That's just okay. my feeling. I just feel like there's going to be more. Yeah, uh, hopefully not. But that that Saints defense is playing really well. I. I if they don't make the playoffs, that's a shame because I think Sean Payton's doing a fantastic job. I'm talking about Sean Payton, not Kevin James. Uh, <laughs> Lions at the Seahawks, both teams that are out of the playoff mix, but what the hell? Let's see who wins this game. Yeah, we'll see who wins the game. Uh, the Lions have been so good ATS this year, but, I mean, yeah, the Seahawks are going to win at home. Yeah. Well, they, I, they, real quick, uh, they didn't the last Seahawks. Week. How many NFC teams are probably happy after watching that Chicago Seahawks game that the Seahawks are not in playoff contention and having to host a, a home football game? Could oh, you yeah. imagine? I wouldn't want to go through Seattle if it's snowing like that and that crowd's crazy. How many times you see it snow in Seattle like that? I, th- I remember a game in 2006 on Monday Night Football where Sean Alexander rushed for 200 yards against the Green Bay Packers. Okay. But besides yeah. that, I, I don't remember a lot of snow in Seattle. It's usually just really, really cold. But yeah, yeah it usually doesn't snow there. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Seattle as well. Yep. Um, and then we got the Cardinals at the Cowboys. Are the Cardinals going to win a game before they go into the playoffs against a hot Dallas Cowboys team that just scored 56 points? This is the one they kind of need to win to prove to themselves that they're for real, I kind of think, at this point in the season. But the way the Cowboys just drubbed the uh, Washington football team, uh, you have to go with the Cowboys. I like your thinking, Alon, and I'm actually going to go with the Cardinals. They okay. beat them last year without mm-hmm. Dak Prescott. I, it's a long, it's a longer week for the Cardinals. They get a day after playing on Saturday last week. 
they got to win a game and they got to win a statement. And I think, you know, the Cowboys are due for a letdown after beating up on Washington. Cardinals could be more focused this week. I'm taking the Cardinals. Gotcha. And then we got the Vikings at the Packers and Packers have already locked up the division and the Vikings are still crawling around for a playoff spot. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Packers uh, get the victory over Minnesota after they lost to them a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Packers to win this game. Actually, I, I'll take the Vikings. Uh, Packers, nothing, Packers, nothing to play for um, other than this, maybe this, some, this some seat, field. There's Yeah, there's seeding implications. But um, I, th- I think the Vikings will, will have a good, really good game on the ground. Interesting. I think Dalvin they'll Cook, do what Dalvin I think comes back. Yeah, I think I think they'll be able to try. They're going to try to do what Cleveland should have kept doing, which was running the ball. And yeah. uh, I think if they do that, the way kind of Green Bay, like we had talked about sleepwalking through these last few weeks, uh, yeah. I, th- I think they can do, they can beat Green Bay. It's divisional. Interesting. Game. Okay. And then the Monday Night Football game, last one of or actually, no, we're going to have a double header Monday Night Football in Week 18. Yeah. But um, I think it's actually going to be a Saturday Night game, but on ESPN or something. Um, Browns at the Steelers for the last Monday night game, or they'll have a playoff game too. We're, okay, Monday night game, Browns yeah. and Steelers. Yeah, I don't even know who to pick in this game. Uh, I, I mean, Browns, right? Because they're the no, no. I'm gonna go Steelers. And they're I'm the underdog, gonna, but I'm gonna pick the Steelers at home. I'm gonna pick the Steelers as well because this could be Ben Roethlisberger's and should be Ben Roethlisberger's last home game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah. So send him off with the victory. No, school. I agree. I agree. And he doesn't he doesn't want to go out like, you know, old man Roethlisberger, like not not doing well. He wants to if they're going to lose the game. He wants to go out on a shield, like throwing for yeah. three touchdowns and 400 yards or whatever. No, I'm with you. Um, well, that's it, man. We got our picks in. And uh, if I, I win, I really hope I lose that Raiders, that Raiders Colts pick. I want the Raiders <laughs> yeah. to win so bad. <laughs> uh, if if you know if you lose, we'll have you come back on uh, sometime, and you'll uh, you'll owe you'll owe up with some hot sauce or whatever you want to do. Yeah, you got you guys got to you and Stephen got to get your own hot sauce branded. You got to get oh, your I own. Wish, man. There's got to be a just your opinion, man. Hot sauce. Ooh, god, a Jaywam, a Jaywam uh, hot sauce. I like that. Yeah. Because you could make it happen. I mean, you're in Stevens' faces could be on it, and maybe like <laughs> you know, like fire because it's so hot. Yeah, yeah. No, that'd be good. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. If anybody, if any hot sauce companies out there want to want to get into the just your opinion man business, let us know. But Alon, long podcast. We got you know things happened and we news, addressed it. Yeah. And um, but yeah, dude, uh, so thankful that you were able to jump on with me today. I really appreciate it. We covered everything. And um, I'm glad you were here, man, because um, I know you're a big time Raider fan and I know you love the history of the Raiders. And obviously, John Madden is, you know, uh, you know, crucial in the history of the Raiders, uh, the Raiders history. So I'm glad you were here, man, to talk about it. Um, Yeah, it's it's just sad, man. I I can't believe that uh, we've we've lost Madden today. Yeah, I don't. uh... Yeah, obviously, the first thing I'm probably going to do when we get done is just like kind of think about that and just be like, yeah, what, what watch the watch the documentary again. Um, yeah, I have or, I have so many I have so many text messages I need to get to um, of people texting me about this. Um, but yeah, thank you to all of you that watched. Um, I you know probably you know with the news you went on to do something else, but uh, you know thankful for you guys watching and listening to the podcast. Um, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Um, you know, every week we, we end with, uh, it's just our opinion, man. But, uh, you know, 
Stephen not being here with the news of John Madden, I just want to end with a moment of silence for Coach Madden. So rest in peace, John Madden. You had a huge impact on me. You had a huge impact on Alon and everybody that watches football, plays football. Um, God, rest in peace, John Madden.